Get ready to light up the night, build a wall, kill some fictional children, and explore the mysteries of the keywork. All on this week's belated but still superb episode of the Sagely Stage Stooges Podcast. Stooges are back. I'm gonna have and girls, to ask you ladies to do and gentlemen, musically. We are settle in. Sing it. I'm your host, your Stephen. I'm joined by a bunch of talkative fools. Uh, 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 and me, Josh. Uh, I'm singing. Chris. Stephen, can you hear me? And Stephen, can you hear me? I'm a star man. Yeah. So um, <laughs> fuck. You know, our... I was actually thinking of coming in with that last night <laughs> and decided not to. Um, we are being very musical. On this Saturday morning, because we are talking about music, so yeah, we've um, we've we've picked out some some special albums. Um, we're 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 gonna kind of talk about concept albums. Um, if you're not familiar with what that means, we'll tell you. Then you'll find out, or you can figure it out on your own. <laughs> yeah, uh, mute this for the next couple seconds. While I'll explain what a concept album is. If you want a mystery, um, <laughs> concept albums generally are sort of referred to as you know bands who write albums that tell a story yeah like yeah, over concept. over the entire album like each song yeah. is an addition to the story or <laughs> it is a vignette within a certain world anything oh, yeah it yeah. fits a certain it's theme it's got some sort of it's yeah. got a lot of different definitions actually it like does. narrative some yeah sort but of we don't adhere thematic to narrative but we're going with a, a story yeah 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 as weird and obscure as it might seem while listening yep that's us weird and obscure yep so, um, should I list the ones we're talking about, or just dive in? Yes, list uh, you want to just go in, we can, we can set it up go. with. Yeah. If you guess all of them, you get a T-shirt. Yeah, I'll just give you one of my T-shirts. It's nothing. <laughs> so special. we're doing we're doing three um, sort of older uh, bands that have um, concept albums: uh, David Bowie's uh, "The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust" and "The Spiders of Mars." Yep. Uh, Pink Floyd, "The Wall." Of course. Duh. And the Who, we're doing. We're kind of going to brief on Tommy mostly, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Quadrophenia as well. And then for our more modern albums, we're going to be talking about uh, Coheed and Cambria's. Now, Coheed and Cambria is an interesting one because all of their CDs, pretty much except one, are thematic and tell a story. But we're specifically going to talk about the Afterman. It's like they can't help but tell a story. <laughs> uh, Decemberists, <laughs> The Hazards of Love, and okay. Proto Men, mostly Act Two, Father of Death. So yeah, Great there stuff. You go. There's a rundown. We're gonna dig in, and um, yeah, I guess we'll just go ahead and jump right in. Which um, which classic one do we want to talk about first? Which the oldest? Do you want to go in order of Tommy would be the oldest. Let's do Tommy. Tommy, Tommy. was sixty nine. Yeah, yes. Tommy. Tommy was <laughs> released in nineteen sixty nine. After did you just say the weed number? That's the joke. It's you call that the <laughs> yeah, weed number. Yeah, I know. I did never. <laughs> <laughs> that's the weed number. I thought four twenty was the weed number. That that no, yes. that's the sex number. 420 is the sex number, and 69 yes. is the you never heard the of, joke. You is... never heard of doing 420? Yeah, I do 420 all the time. Shut Just up. look at the shape I'm, of the I'm numbers, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know things. Imagine the numbers of people. Huh? Me and my yeah, gal, 420? we 420 yeah, all, all around. I am... So, yeah, I guess let's 
talk about Tommy. Intro clip. Roll the intro clip. Roll it. Tommy, can you hear me? 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 Can you hear me? And uh, so, yeah, Tommy, Tommy is the fourth me? album by The Who, released May 1969. And, uh, yeah, and I think the kind of the background on it was whatever uh, they had released previously wasn't doing so great. Townsend, Pete Townsend. Uh, yeah, he, he was like, well, we need to kind of revamp our shit. We need something uh, different and new. And so he's like, well, let's... Let's write this story. And he came up with a story. Well, yeah, the one thing I just kind of wanted to talk about was that he did, um, yeah, he wanted to sort of move past the whole, like, standard pop thing. Yeah, yeah, because they were releasing, like, two or three minute pop songs, you know, Mm -hmm. and they were like, "Ah, I really want to do something more expansive, you know. If you go back and you listen to old, old, like, later 60s, not as late as this one, but there's a a lot of commonality in how some of that stuff sounds. There's a lot Mm -hmm. more heaviness to it. Um, not a lot of bands of that era were playing like that, but, um, I mean, I remember very specifically my dad saying when I was going to buy a who best of album when I was younger, when I was starting to get in all this stuff, he goes, no, you don't buy a who best of. And I went, why? He just goes, cause there's stuff from Tommy and Quadrophenia on that. You're like taking a chapter out of a story and shoving it in a book of vignettes. Does that make sense? <laughs> uh, you listen to those albums first and you can buy a best of and I was like, okay. Yeah, then you can oh, appreciate yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the yeah. the context of the song. You know, I, yeah, I, I, get, yeah. I get that. I get that. And he apparently, you know, uh, Townsend was kind of one of the first ones who brought up this whole idea, this term, rock opera. Yeah, yeah. no, and the thing is, that I like that phrase for this, because concept album, I think, works for the rest of these for sure. But with yeah. this, like, you have an overture. you have an And underture. an underture, yeah. Yeah. yeah you have, like, cool. a 10-minute-long segment yeah. that's kind of an... You know, an intermediate that yeah. yeah displays all of it's just like an overture. It displays it's all that, it's of like an what opera. you're going yeah. to hear. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's very operatic, I guess, uh, in that several themes, uh, including Tommy, can you hear me? Come back uh, in older song or in uh, other songs on the same album, and mm-hmm. you know, there's there's themes that are, it's very it's very theatrical. You know, well, why don't you go ahead and uh, with that thought, go ahead and. Um... Talk about those themes and okay. how the songs. I will. Them. I will talk about it. Here it is about it. <laughs> <laughs> so Tommy's about a boy. I guess his. What about the boy? <laughs> his dad uh, was apparently a British Army captain in World War One. Captain Walker. Yeah. Uh, or he's believed to be dead. I guess. So in the song 1921, apparently his mother has fallen in love with this other man, and I think he returns. That his father returns. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they, I think, decide to kill his father. It's not very yeah. obvious, yeah. but so yeah, the the his Tommy's mom and her new boyfriend or whatever they decide to kill to kill his Tommy's dad. father, and then they say him or they say him they say him you <laughs> they know him. you know see nothing <laughs> no. no see no hear nothing <laughs> yeah they say you didn't see it uh, you didn't hear it you won't say a word of it uh, and it's all in the song because Tommy uh, was there like they find because out. Tommy oh, shit. saw yeah. whatever yeah. happened in on it. yeah. 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 And so Tommy develops this psychological block uh, where he becomes essentially deaf, dumb, and blind. Um, Can't speak, can't hear, can't can't see. 
and that's the that's the premise of the album is it's this boy that that can't see he can't hear and can't speak he can smell so he goes through life his early years some of the songs are about his like inner experiences with because his mind apparently comes how he, alive. How he interprets yeah. the world and stuff. Yeah, you know, like, like how he relies on his like touch and like how like his brain works to develop like his sort of inner stuff. Right, like, the that's, way he perceives that's amazing. The world journey and sparks that kind of. Yeah, yeah he kind of has shows. like a yeah. sense of phasia yeah. almost. Yeah, yeah. And then there's you know some quack doctors that are like we can fix him, but they can't. His parents get upset with him at Christmas because he's not celebrating Christmas like the other kids. He cannot. Uh, he, how will because, he? He doesn't even know what Tommy yeah. doesn't know what day it is. Doesn't even know what's happening. Yeah. He doesn't know who Jesus Christ is or, or what praying is. Yeah, how can yep. he be saved? How can he be saved? Yeah. From the eternal grave. Yep. Tommy doesn't know. We what don't need sound clips here, Chris. <laughs> and Josh. He's kicking it. Yeah. He's killing it right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so he goes through that and he's got a cousin that fucks with him because cousin, cousin Kevin. Kevin. Yeah, yeah. Because cousin Kevin's an asshole bully and he's like, well, look at this guy. He can't fight back. I would like uh, to point out right now that one of the interesting things about this play is that there's no comeuppance for anyone who does anything shitty. That's true. They murder his dad. Cousin Kevin, nothing bad happens to Torture him. He's him. never punished yeah. for torturing Tommy. He holds his head underwater. He pushes him down the stairs. He drags him around by the hair. Yeah. And then boys Uncle Ernie, boys, which we'll get man. to, molests him. So yeah. Like, an, nothing an, ever an happens uncle, to him either. Yeah, later, uh, just to touch on it real quick, because I don't want to talk about it very much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uncle, uncle Ernie uh, in the song Fiddle About is uh, is a Fiddling creep. About? Yeah, and he's doing uh, Go look up about, one of yeah. the later live performances uh, of Tommy's, don't. like the whole play. Like, they do the whole album live. I don't remember what year it was. I think we were in high school. And uh, they brought on a bunch of actors. <laughs> or, um. Jesus, actors. They brought in a bunch of different artists to play different characters. And uh, when they got to Uncle Ernie, freaking, I think it was Phil Collins yep. mm-hmm. marches out on stage really? in a robe. And every single time he goes, fiddle about, he starts like pretending to jerk off. Oh, and my it's God. like the creepiest oh, thing Lord. I've ever seen. Yeah, it's, that's <laughs> a horrendous thing to see. Yeah, I don't, don't go look that up. No, actually. if you do, get some eye bleach. Yeah, just <laughs> have like bleach. some puppies ready, yeah. you're ready to, to what? To view. To, yes. Uh. Afterwards. <laughs> So anyway, yeah. um, then you, he, uh, his parents, uh, take him to this prostitute lady that gives him LSD and is like, I will be able to, to bring him back to life with my sex or whatever. Guys, <laughs> boys and girls, that is not how LSD works. Just so you know. Yeah, that's, you know. that's the, uh, you can't, you can't cure queen. blind, deaf, or dumbness with LSD. You can no, cure or, or, uh, or, or prostitution. Sex. Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work either. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Not not if it's psychologically blocked. Uh, if it's like a physical thing, no one knows. We haven't tried it yet, so. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. So then, you know, uh, Tommy grows older. He becomes uh, the pinball wizard, as everyone has heard. Do we have a clip from that? I believe we have a clip from that. He stands like a statue, becomes part of the machine, feeling all the bumpers. There's that clip. 
Man, that's probably the most famous song off the album. Another tidbit. Yeah, it's definitely movie, is. Definitely is. Uh, and the movie. I've never seen the trivia. movie. But... The movie's fun. Uh, it's really so. The cool thing I like about the Who movies, I haven't seen much of Quadrophenia, but um, you can pretty easily tell what's happening. Uh, Roger Daltrey usually plays whoever the lead is. Um, but what's interesting is like a there's a lot of ab- there's some abstract imagery, but nothing on the level of what you're gonna get from like a Pink Floyd. Uh, I think at one point there's like a scene where like baked beans and a TV or something blow up. And that was somebody who worked on its revenge for having to work on their ads years ago. um, (laughs) Well, what I think is interesting about the pinball wizard in the movie is that it's played by um, Elton John. And Uh. one of my favorite pieces of trivia, which is also like total um, assholery is Elton John told Rod Stewart, who was originally supposed to play the pinball wizard. You don't want to take that role. You don't do it. And he talked him out of it. And uh, then he went up to them, and Elton John took the role. And he- <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, nice. But I think there was a live a performance later look. where Rod Stewart got to play the part. So there's a little bit of him. But he's not going to be in the film. So Poor Rod. Yeah. Uh, so um, Scrub? Is that what he said? No, poor Rod. Like, <laughs> yeah, poor, oh, Rod. Rod. Uh, poor Rod. He wasn't in Pinball Wizard. Oh, well. Scrub. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Get wrecked. Dang. Get wrecked, Rod. Grady spitting fire over Total here. beta move there. <laughs> Get bodied. Uh, so as Tommy grows older, they find a doctor who says, I could probably cure him. And they take him to this doctor, and he tells him to go look in the mirror. And they, everyone notices that he's actually paying attention to his own reflection. So they're like, what oh, a nurse there's, like following there is someone in there own. he can see. Yeah. So you know, after that, uh, he goes home, and his parents catch him staring in the mirror. I guess his mom catches him staring in the mirror a lot. And she gets pissed off because he won't, he still won't come out of his shell or what have you. So she smashes his mirror oh. and that, mm-hmm. that's what, um, you know, smash the mirror actually destroys his mental block and he recovers yep. his, his senses. And then, uh, <laughs> and this is kind of random, but, uh, you know, once he can, he feels these <laughs> sensations and can see and hear and speak, he decides, I'm going to start a religious movement. <laughs> Come to my holiday. Camp. Yeah, so he um he he starts, sounds good, Tommy. He starts doing these shows. Um, <laughs> Whatever you want, dear. One lady, one girl falls in love with him and like bashes her head against it. Anyway, <laughs> Sally Simpson. Uh, listen Sally to Elvis. Yeah. You'll love it. Um, then he starts a holiday camp and he starts expressing all these ideas. And one of the things he he does for all his followers is like so that you can feel what I felt. He plugs their ears, uh, puts blindfolds on them, and um, like gags their mouth or whatever, so that they're blind, deaf, and dumb. And they, mm-hmm. then these followers are like, "This isn't doing anything. It actually we really sucks." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He we, bans a lot of stuff too, doesn't he? Yeah, he, and he yeah. bans mm-hmm. some stuff. No, and, no, no drugs. Right. I remember him like smoking Mother Earth, smoking Mother of Nature. Yeah. Yeah. All you guys Mother out there Nature, smoking yeah. Mother Nature. In the yeah. movie, he just goes around like somebody be drinking, somebody be smoking. He'll like rip it out of their hands and throw it away. Yeah. He. Yeah. So no, no stimulants that. or anything. What a douche. And yeah. uh, then you do all that, and then you learn to play pinball. <laughs> and <laughs> no, I think that's that's part of it. Like they, you get your own pinball machine. And all these followers are like, "Oh, well, shit! This is not what we wanted." So this isn't fun. Uh, I so paid a hundred re- bucks for this. Yeah, so they reject his teachings and leave the camp. Um, and in the song, "We're not gonna take it." We're not gonna take it. Yeah. Then it kind of ends like all British things end, sad and lonely. <laughs> hey, I'm familiar with that. Um, and Tommy retreats inward again uh, and kind of feels his old and, and the uh, see me, feel me, touch me. 
uh, heal me theme comes back. Yeah, that's kind of how it ends. Is he he retreats back into himself and the circle I, is complete. Yeah, I, I think having learned don't in yourself, <laughs> that like maybe I'm not as special as I thought I was or something. I don't. Man, I don't, it's like don't, a rejected hero story. Yeah, there's yes. been, there's been a lot of there's a lot of discussion on what exactly the end of Tommy means. End. Yeah, yeah, and and what what they were trying to get across as far as the message. Uh, some people think now he's happy to be himself, like a normal human, just Whoa. like anyone out there, and not in the spotlight. Or no. some people, you know, this it. I think he's broken, right? He's yeah, just and like, then there's yeah, some I'm people just... like he's broken. There's some that you know, I don't know. It's one of the well, uh, and and the the one of the biggest things, and I'm not going to get too much into it because this is getting this is a little philosophical. But one thing I found interesting and kind of went down a, a wormhole on was, um, you know, Townsend got really weirdly hooked to the teachings of uh, Meher Baba. He was an yeah. Indian spiritual master. Hmm. He like really loved all of Baba's teachings on like spiritual transformation and stuff. Right. So uh, that's kind of like where that story is. Is that this whole like circle of finding yourself? And, yeah, and it's it's a breakthrough spiritually, like reincarnation, it, and I mean all that stuff. Yeah, if you think about the <laughs> the ideas, the um, the symbolism of the story, you know, he's so locked within himself, and then he breaks out, and you know, so yeah, I could see, I could yeah. see that having well, and a, it's like heavy um, influence on the story. The the big thing that Baba always focused on Meher Baba always focused on was um this like Roshi's Baba <laughs> that the universe is imagination that you know like the universe <laughs> is the imagination of God and, and so dreams like, are but wishes are your your like highest level of spiritual awareness is to like be really in tune with your imagination. Okay. That's and interesting. Townsend Townsend I must talked be about pretty I read this spiritually enlightened then <laughs> <laughs> Townsend had an interview where he talks about how like he really wanted everyone to experience this feeling of these vibrations, you know, because that's the way Tommy was able yeah, to that's experience the only way life he is was, through vibrations, yeah. which is what music is. It's all just about vibrations. But he man. played pinball by sense of smell. And so, it, you know, it's all that thing <laughs> where it's like, you know, that's Tommy's real existence is his, he experiencing life through vibrations and smell and creating it through his imagination. You know, that's very... Oh, his reality was not something abnormal. He was actually tapping into something that was... Right. So level. him reverting back and feeling it like sort of like <laughs> going back in on himself was actually his like true state. Oh, okay. You know? That's not so bad cuz I was thinking it like a kind of inverted Joseph Campbell hero story where yeah. like he gets the boon, comes out and shows everybody and everyone's like that's shit, dude. We're not doing that. Yeah, right? that and like I said, a lot of the the feedback on it was that now now that he has gone through this roller coaster journey, he can know how to be himself yeah a lot of people interpret it to be generally good (laughs) (laughs) as far as how the how the story ends but yeah that's tommy check out tommy it's great uh do we want to just go ahead and and pivot right into quadrophenia okay yeah for sure so yeah i have the intro clip and boom So yeah, uh, Quadrophenia is a bit different. Like um, now, there's definitely a weird concept to it, kind of like Tommy, but nothing so much as a blind, deaf, dumb kid or whatever. Yeah. Instead, we're dealing with a kid with schizophrenia. <laughs> now they didn't have a very that good concept of, of what schizophrenia is, but the whole idea is whenever he takes the pills that he's supposed to take, uh, his personality kind of divides into four, 
That's yeah. why you have very wildly cool. varying feelings. So then sometimes he's violent. Sometimes he's romantically longing. Sometimes he's, I don't know, caught up in the past and depressed and stuff like that. And the whole concept came out because there was an album in between, I believe. Uh, who's and, next, uh, right? The ne- who's next? And then they r- recorded some music and then uh, Townsend thought it was too derivative. And he said, no, people don't want to hear us do old shit. we got to do something different again. So they went ahead and did another rock opera. Yeah, I mean, Tommy was met with such uh, such positive feedback. Yeah, They'd be like, well, shit, that Quadrophenia worked. was, too, for the most part. Yeah, I yeah. mean, just looking at the older views from a million years ago, there's it's all fours and fives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems yeah. like A's, Wikipedia tens. has the reception as being yeah. quite, quite good. Yeah. But uh, so the thing is, and the reason, uh, the more I go back and forth, the more I think I actually kind of like Quadrophenia more. It's not. It's a little bit more relatable in a sense. Maybe if you're younger, um, or if you kind of lost direction. Uh, I think. So I think you described it to me as angsty, and I listened to it, and I was like, very "You're angsty. right. It <laughs> is. Ser- it's it's kind of like angsty. fuck this, fuck that. You know. Yeah. Uh, it's, it is it's fuck punk this, rock. Yeah. It's um, like it's very punk rock. <laughs> punk rock before punk rock. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I like it. Uh, well, punk rock was starting to become a thing. When did the Ramones start? Uh, sometime in the seventies, right? Yeah. Well, this yeah. is you know British and you know rock opera, so it's a little more dramatic. Yeah, all the know. seeds are yeah. swirling around still. Yeah. Just yeah. just from the <laughs> background, the concept was based around the idea of you have this this kid who's got uh, schizophrenia issues. Uh, the real me, which is the first song on the album, oh so good. That's about how you know I'm going to the doctor, I go to the priest, I go to all these people who are trying to help me, and no one can figure out what's yeah. wrong with me. Can't you see um, the real me? He's, an, he's yeah. a He's a mod, which back in British <laughs> culture, that's a, an old motorcycle gang. They rode scooters. They fought another group called the Rockers. Yeah, I think so. Is that it? Sure. Yeah, the Rockers. Or that might have been made up, but I think that was the other group in real life. Um, if I remember, And a Pete Townsend, I believe, was a mod. He would later reflect and said, yeah, I was probably too old to be one, too. But, uh, <laughs> and it was kind of a movement of like... Just kind of this pop culture, like the right? Revival counter, of, a kind of counterculture thing. thing. Well, and that um, was the Who's yeah. thing. Like they started destroying their their sets and everything. Like that was them. Mm-hmm. They they were very they destroyed counterculture. Their sets. They street fought. Yeah. Um, uh, I remember we were talking about Keith Moon last night. We're probably going to talk a lot about Keith Moon in a later podcast because he's so fucking nuts. <laughs> but uh, what, what did you say, Josh? He would get in his car and put loudspeakers yeah. out and start advocating for for fake, fake politicians. politicians. Yeah, <laughs> do fake um, campaigning for fake. Why politicians. don't you vote for Waldor? <laughs> that's hilarious keith moon is amazing but, um, trash and hotel so just to kind of go through it and um i have some clips ready for when we get to it what's interesting is so you have this mod he's fed up with the world very tommy wasoian uh <laughs> and you, it, you know with the real me it kind of talks about well, crap i i don't who it who, who am i who am i really i have these four you know everyone's trying to help me and no one can figure it out yeah. quadrophenia is an instrumental and then you start getting into the, the counterculture stuff where, you know, in Cut My Hair, there's mention of Zoot Suits. Yeah. <laughs> and why do I have to do all this stuff? Well, you know, who the fuck are you to tell me that? Yeah, What's great yeah. is, um, and the punk and the godfather, I didn't grab a clip because I didn't want to drag this out too long. Yeah, he unfortunately, we can't Brighton. play the whole album, though, no, though um, we would like goes, to on some of these. <laughs> he, he goes and catches a rock band, which it's very clearly the Who. Because there's even a lyric in it where um, the godfather of rock, who is, you know, one character... You know, I'm the punk with the stutter. My, 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 mommy, mommy, generation. And it's like, yeah, it's the who. And eventually he finds them after the show. And one of them just goes, fuck off, flips them off and walks away. Eventually he has to get and he's like, man, rock and roll just isn't what I thought it was. He has to get a shitty job. 
Um, according to the liner notes I found, uh, he gets a job as a dustman like most yep. kids have to do when they leave school at 15. There's nothing much else. He gets pissed off with that. Of course, when you do something that stinks, there's always a lot of other stinky things around, and he gets mixed up with the stinkiest of them all, politics. <laughs> Ew. Uh, the other guys in the band, the other guys who work with him don't like him because he's apparently more left-leaning. I don't know what that would be considered back then. That would be like a socialist. Um, I mean, <laughs> maybe. Or, uh, well, I mean, like a communist <laughs> but, uh, even in Britain. Like they had, they were the the Labour maybe, Party was yeah. socialist. So in the seventies, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Eventually, you get to situate. You know, you have songs like "It's Is It in My Head." You know, "What's Wrong with Me." A lot of that kind of ideals. Uh, just kind of fed up with everything. Like I said, angsty. But what's great is one of his factors, and I think a lot of people can relate to this. There's a song called "Bellboy." Apparently, he destroys his scooter and then contemplates suicide, and then yeah, there's a lot of contemplating suicide. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah, and so he basically comes back and finds because um, he's trying to live in the past and he finds this old mod leader as a bellboy and he has this great line I've got a job and I'm newly born you should see me dressed up in my uniform I'm working in a hotel all guilt and flash remember the gap when the doors we smashed so he <laughs> like has his idols kind of iconoclastically His smashed, idols fall, but know? what i love is that they're all they're all in a way yeah they're all in a way living in the past i've got a good job and i'm newly born you should see me dressed up in my uniform yeah, very british hotel all guilt and flash <laughs> remember the place where the doors were smashed like it, they're all like hey I'm, he's working in a hotel where they yeah tore you it remember up when we trashed this place yeah, so now i'm working now right. i work here. amongst kids now i'm a bellboy yeah yeah oh, so his idols crushed uh, Dr. Jimmy, which is the following song, is pretty dark. He talks about like his violent side. Uh, there's mentions of v- violence and rape, basically. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, um, and this is where my next clip comes in. You have a song called "Love Rain Over Me." If y'all want to take a cl- uh, listen to that, that's beautiful. Uh, from one four twenty four, and then we'll we'll expand on that. A okay. Bit, and we'll play now. <laughs> So what's his what you know what happens there? So uh, basically, what I wanted to point out was, I love this song. Uh, it was something that I've been listening to. It was one of those things that if you're in high school like I was, and you couldn't leave when your early years before you could drive, and you couldn't leave, and you're lonely because everyone's left. You, you, you know, I couldn't get picked up till like five thirty. Mm-hmm. So I'd be sitting around the school, lonely as hell in my early years, just staring out like, yeah, love rain over me, actually. Please, I'm so lonely. <laughs> oh. like, just stuff like okay, that. Yeah. But what's happening is, one, and this is one of the reasons that I like this album actually more than Tommy, is that if you hear like the fucking screeching and the pain in Roger Daltrey's voice, like the emotion of the song, I think it's a lot more complex. I think the music in this album is more complex. Yeah, I can... Not necessarily the orchestral format of the sure. old one. Like some of that stuff is crazy, that 10 minute stuff. It's not as Baroque, but it's... it's not, yeah, but like just the, the power and the... Like 
the, the emotion behind yeah, it. Yeah, when you can feel an so emotion uh, come through yeah. in a voice. Like, there's a there's a song I'll have on the wall that, that I feel that, and and um, everything on the proto men, <laughs> everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, um, we'll get to that. Yeah. yeah, when you can feel the emotion of the artist come through in the work, that's, I mean... That's and apparently this yeah, album but, was quite a bit more raw. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, it was raw. Tommy yeah. was like, more Townsend, like, this is our concept, and we have a story, out, yeah. and we're going to tell the story, and this, this one was more emotional, I feel like. I like the uh, the conclusion, though, that... Nah, it's, I know it's not the end of it, and he kind of feels shitty about it after, but that, you know... Well, that is the end people, of it. Uh, uh, well, yeah, that people uh, kind of end up, you know, they still end up in the grind. They still end up just doing a regular job. Mm-hmm. They had a youthful outcry. It's, it's almost like the... The British uh, ending of the Clockwork Orange, where yeah, um, yeah, yeah, where they had that extra chapter, where well, the real <laughs> the chapter that we took out, the real chapter, <laughs> um, where he re- kind of reconciles and meets some, you know, one of his former, you know, compatriots in horrible violence and rape later on, and he's just like, uh, you know, yeah, we're just like raising families and stuff now. We're yeah, it, it is kind of odd. we want to create, we don't want to destroy anymore. And it's yeah, just it like, is kind of. I guess, I guess it's just a metaphor for like life. You go through your your young destructive days, and then you settle down. But that it is a common theme where. And is it right for everyone? Because at the end, they wonder: Does he accept that, yeah. or does he kill himself? You don't know, because he's right. out on a boat. He's out on the boat in the ocean, like staring out over yeah. it, like wanting more. So we don't really know how it ends. Yeah. Because um, some people, like, they do. They're like, this is fine. We'll do it. And then some people, you know, get out on that boat and go out there and just... Right. Do you burn out or do you accept that, okay, do you accept? Yeah, all that's do beh- behind me. And, that, yeah. and that's the thing. And I, I don't want to get too far into this, but, you know, we were talking about do we want to do any Beatles stuff. And I don't think we could find anything we wanted to do. But, you know, you have John Lennon stuff where he talks about revolution and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you have The Who, which is this blue-collar view of what it's like to live these kinds of lives and... Being frustrated with this system, and I think they're so much more relatable, which is why I prefer The Who so yeah. much to the kind of stuff that they did. I, I love The Who. Um, they have a bunch I, of good I, stuff. And I and I think this album sums it up perfectly, and I kind of like it more than Tommy. I think it has a lot more real-world yeah, to- rawness to Tommy, it. Tommy, you have to give uh, respect to Tommy. I for, love Tommy. Don't get me wrong. I love Tommy. Like the, the, I, don't, I don't know if it was the first, but one of the first commercially successful concept albums you know like it, yeah. it yeah, started the ball yeah. rolling for everything that we're going to yeah. talk about yeah um but yeah so. so that wraps up the who yeah that's the who uh, the who are great yeah go check right. them out if yeah. you're if you're not sure who they are they're the who, <laughs> <laughs> who? Oh, the who? um the, the who just if you're interested because you know we mentioned how raw this was go read at some of the ridiculous things that um townsend had to come up with yeah. Or recording this album because it's, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's awesome. I mean, it's like the he's just like a genius all... yeah. of like gorilla yeah. recording. That uh, dude. Because, yep. yeah, it's like he like buy, buys a cello and learns to play it in like two weeks yep. just so he can put this song sound in that he wants. Yeah, what yeah. a beast. Townsend, an incredibly <laughs> underrated musician. Oh, for sure. and I, one of the things I like about it, I'll say this and then we can move on. Mm-hmm. What I liked about The Who was even if you have acoustic sounds or you have lighter electric sounds, like none of it sounds that heavy, he manages to make it sound heavy when it needs to. Yeah. He plays so rough. He plays yeah, so he hard. he can pound it. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. My dad said that, because dad went to a Who concert. He said he had to leave because he was about to go deaf. But like, <laughs> I can't believe it. But uh, and he said the, the two loudest concerts were Zeppelin and The Who. And he said, I think with uh, the Zeppelin one, uh, 
Robert Plant's mic went out, and so he started singing as hard as as hard as he could at the crowd, and you could still kind of hear him. <laughs> that's but, crazy. Um, <laughs> that's but, so uh, wild. God, that's crazy. But yeah, no. With the Who, he said Townsend would play so hard that blood would fly off of his fingers. Mm-hmm. Under the yeah, man, that's, I've the read crowd. that too. That's yeah. wild. I mean that yeah, that's that is emotion, man. That's mm-hmm. just pure raw emotion in your just in your music. Love like you just yeah. love the Who. And Keith Moon is a fucking beast. One of the best drummers. Yeah, of all he time. he beat the drums. Uh, one quick story about he blew him. up the yeah. drums literally well, on TV and pissed everyone yeah. off. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, anyway, we could talk about Keith Moon some other time, but yeah. apparently, so uh, he's a on beast. to Ziggy. Yep. So Ziggy. All right, we're on to Ziggy Stardust, the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the spiders from Mars. Play that clip. Here it goes. Ziggy played guitar, jamming good with weird and gilly, and the spiders. Dun, 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 dun. There, everybody knows that that intro um, uh, to the that titular song. Uh, That's it. <laughs> Ziggy, so I was reading into this and kind of, I had always assumed that it was kind of planned. And all right, mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna write a song about a spaceman coming to save Earth with rock and roll. Uh, yeah, like an album. We're gonna do a tell a story man. about it, but it was actually really not. Um, they inter- you know interviewed Bowie about it, and he was like, "I mean, we just kind of wrote it. You can switch up the order; it's fine." But like, it all kind of fits in the same theme, and it was after the fact, basically fans have put a lot of time into, you know, coming up with, and I actually put a lot of time into coming up with what song, you know, means what. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, Mm -hmm. but cause it's a little, it's a little looser than, than our two previous. uh, Yeah. There are some songs that you're just like, well, that's there. It's kind of thematically there, but it doesn't, necessarily contribute anything to this. It occurs in the same universe, but it's not part of the I story. found a .gov website, the National Recording Preservation Board, and they actually put together a summary of what happens. Yeah, the... So uh, I don't... Yeah, I mean, you can summarize, you know... The essay uh, by Susan E. Booth, that one? Yes, <laughs> yeah. correct. Yes. An essay. I, yeah. Man, mm-hmm. what, no, it's... Imagine where you're at in your life if you're writing an essay on but it's what happened in Ziggy Stardust. I, I would find that to be a really awesome know, point in my life that would be write freaking about. sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So Ziggy starts out the whole the whole story, I guess, is uh, that Earth, for some reason, is going to die in five years. Got five years left. It has five years, and yep. we'll That's the first uh, song play the end. five years clip. Yeah, so I think I think it kind of makes Bowie clear back that, to Bowie. There's only five years left, man. Well, okay, so this is Cold War, right? Flight of the Concord. They um, sorry. No, no. they uh, <laughs> they have 
in the Cold War, you know, they obviously had the fear that nuclear apocalypse. But that's something quick, right? This is probably some sort of ecological or no? Yeah, it sounded like the disaster. Earth. I think he says the Earth is dying. Like mm-hmm. it's, they're out of resources. It's a, yeah, they're out of resources. It's just okay. you're, you know, eventually it's well. Maybe we live. Just maybe like some people live, but it's not going to be this. Eleven you know? balls. Yeah, you're going to be <laughs> scrounging. You know, a third of the population. It's going to be some sort of reversion to something we haven't seen. It's it's over in five yeah. years, basically. And from there, it kind of moves on to this myth of Ziggy Stardust starts spreading. Uh, the song Starman uh, mm-hmm. starts. Is that about Earthbound? Starman. <laughs> Yeah, and it's this is yeah, presumably like on the radio or something, and they're like uh, telling people, like, "Don't tell anybody yet, because people will think we're still insane." But like, this is this, this he's he's out there, he's waiting, he's coming to save us. He's yeah. just waiting for and us. Who else gets on the radio? Hello, I'm to understand it. Yeah. Hello, everyone. <laughs> yeah, and the kids are. It's supposed to be kind of a youth um, thing. Like yeah. they're they're kind of worried about uh, the, their parents or you know adult society kind of finding out and be like, fuck you. That's not happening. What what do you, it's like the kids can, you know, can hear, but yeah. Oh boy. An omnisexual being from space comes down and only kids can see him. (laughs) That sounds like that's going to go really well. Um, yeah, (laughs) but, uh, no, I, one thing listening back to this was that struck me was a, in, in the opening track with five years and, uh, how it focuses on people kind of losing it and uh, the guys talking about how his head hurts so much. And yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. in Starman, this sort of like, oh, you know, just dance and have a good time. And it's fine, man. Hey, you only that got five so years, that Starman well will up. come and save us. <laughs> it almost sounds like desperate, panicky, like they've almost Religion. lost it. Like they're yeah, playing just, mentally. Yeah I, 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 yeah, I guess I can see that. And so maybe like the whole Ziggy thing is not really the f- focus of it. They're, they're actually just, you know, dying and, and going Hoping. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> just, and that's not the real. You just kind of snap when there's only five years left on Earth. It's like, yeah. well, I'm going to live and the Starman will save us. Sure. <laughs> the cult of Ziggy. And it's, uh, it's weird. But no, like uh, then they go into Lady Stardust, which is supposed to be about someone he saw performing that David Bowie saw performing, but I like to see it as kind of an early Ziggy sighting. Um, uh, cause it, <laughs> yeah, because it's an like, androgynous character. Mm-hmm, yeah. Was it a really right. blurry, was it a really blurry uh, video recording? He's... And then <laughs> Ziggy's become a cryptid and we're going to battle him in our next, but no, uh, yeah. Like you said, androgynous, he's, uh, he's, yeah. he's alternatively described as a she or a he and, and yep. all this. And that's very much a part of the Ziggy stardust, uh, do you want to talk about what Persona. possibly inspired the character real quick? Yeah. Because there are two stories. <laughs> yeah, no, Um, there's the... Uh, the Vince Taylor story. Vince Taylor's the guy who goes crazy and... Yeah, so um, Vince Taylor... Uh, oh, so one of the theories is that uh, David Bowie developed the character after meeting Vince Taylor, a uh, British rock and roll singer that had a breakdown and believed himself to be crossed between a god and an alien. <laughs> which is great because it's like 
not even sort. It's like not. He didn't say like I'm a cross between man and an alien, or no. man and God. No, no God, God and an alien. And, an alien. <laughs> uh, and then, did he ever talk with David Icke? Did they ever hang out? <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm sensing some lizard man somewhere in here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the uh, an alternative theory uh, said that during a, a tour, Bowie developed a concept of Ziggy as a melding of the persona of Iggy Pop and the music of Lou Reed. <laughs> so what? producing the ultimate pop idol. The, oh, yeah, this this like. You know, person who you can't can't help but fuck, and you know, right. this just yeah. Yeah. exudes exactly. sex and rock and roll. Like, yeah, Justin sad. Bieber, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> Josh can't help but fuck Justin Bieber. Come on. Um, I think no, Justin was Bieber it? was was modeled after Ziggy Stardust. That's all I'm saying. He's kind of androgynous, oh you know. <laughs> yeah, no, he uh, he talked about in interviews and stuff, kind of like almost. Vince Taylor is like this figure that he at once admires because he's just so kind of charismatic and takes it to that next level. Well, he's half God, half alien. He ought to. Butt stuff. Yeah, be. but then B also like... Completely insane. Yeah, he wor- <laughs> He like also wants to avoid that because that's like the, the pitfall of it getting too absorbed I think, into... I think Bowie said that at some point like the character was kind of messing with his mind, right? Mm-hmm. And so he came up with this other like yeah Aladdin, Aladdin Sane. Sane Aladdin Sane yeah, yeah. Aladdin yeah he came mm-hmm. up with another persona Aladdin Sane to keep him more grounded to the world <laughs> and that's the, wild. the one thing so the one thing I learned most about all this about reading about Ziggy and is David Bowie was out of his flipping mind well, of course <laughs> yes <laughs> that but dude, it was calculated you have to be to some point to be a good musician mind. is what I'm finding out was wild. I mean, oh, yeah. his brain was something else. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that, if in a good, well, obviously, in a, at least an amazingly musical way. Very creative way, anyway. Holy moly, that guy was. Well, if if a imagination is person. close to godliness, you know. Yeah. <laughs> as we said. Yeah, he's a follower of, was it Baba? Uh, yeah, Meher Baba. Meher Baba. Yeah, apparently. That sounds like, yeah, that was definitely some con artist who was like going from rock musician to rock musician asking for checks. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you about imagination. Just imagine. No, that'll be five hundred dollars. Uh, let's see. So the here you go, Mister Lennon. <laughs> the uh, album continues, and um, Ziggy apparently uh, eventually gets to Earth and and starts basically just taking the Earth by storm, and all the all the he just becomes a sensation, you know, and gets a, oh, a bunch of groupies following him. Hang on to yourself as like he's just absorbed in you know getting all the action he can and the spiders from mars his you know band counterpart are trying to be like dude we got something good here like don't fuck it up don't just go crazy we're trying to be a band and he's just like whatever this is awesome this is you know and we the joys of being amongst the mortals and stuff like that like and then the titular song that we open with the the (laughs) the tit euler song the the classic (laughs) tale of Ziggy who, who went too far you know he he could boy could he play guitar but he he made his he overshadowed his bandmates and he just took his fame all the way over the edge and this is kind of that at his funeral they said Ziggy really did play guitar and they walked away in the <laughs> never to be seen again so I according to that article we we're talking died. about didn't so according to that article we we're talking about earlier it was something about the Starmen created him, and they're extra-dimensional beings, and so... Fourth, yeah, they they're fourth-dimensional the beings that need monoatomic gold. Yeah, the infinites. Yeah. So they had to send him there as his, their emissary 
and then get everyone riled up, and then uh, feed off. His fate was feed sealed when they there. came back. In order to manifest themselves, they had to like consume him or something. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, the last I feel part. like David mm-hmm. Icke wrote this yeah. shit because he like <laughs> he like you know disintegrates on stage. And, yeah, the rock and roll suicide. That's it, this yeah. is like the yeah. the like you were saying they had to consume him. Um, the infinite. It's uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's almost like it's all building to that. That's the like. Uh, that's the final. Seems like he was fucked no matter what. Though. Well, that's the final like mass, you know. That's the final sacrifice of him for humanity. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say, does he? So he sacrifices himself uh, for humanity. That's what the well, cons- sort of against. What is it by choice? No, it seems like he didn't. Yeah, yeah they just it ripped him like apart. Seems like he was so egotistical by that point, he wouldn't want that. To happen. But uh, uh, my only point is, does that save humanity? That is, that's by never him. addressed. That's the last. Well, yeah, There's yeah, okay. I guess it's yeah. Probably wow. not. I think it's probably all a delusion that they like. Oh, uh, so yeah. Imagine, like you that said, someone it's, would. It's it, it wasn't really he wasn't really even there to save them. It's he's just everyone's insane. I'm just <laughs> kicking it through the stars and playing music and then leaving. Yeah, yeah that's know? what he's supposed to do. And then the humans have this like weird, they create yeah messianic some, thing, and they right. and then they tear gotcha. him apart. And well, I think even Bowie dies. says like. He takes himself up to this like incredible spiritual plateau or whatever, and like he lives on through his like, you know, his his. What does he say? Like his disciples' admiration and love and and it, whatever. I mean, I feel like it's all uh, symbolic of like just a general um, rock star stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm glad we're not hugely popular right now because I feel like if we were we'd be getting uh actually like left <laughs> i'm sure right. we still oh, are oh sure well <laughs> you can well actually us all day long we'll read your well actually on on air and make fun of it so yeah take and it away send you news just talk to us um but no we'll, we will link that um we should link that article in the show notes um okay, yeah for because sure. I, gotta, I, I, I did read it um briefly i like i grazed it maybe is better you know skimmed mm-hmm. it um but it is it's really cool like that she makes some really cool yeah yeah He's uh, um, kind of commenting on the role of a rock star is like this, like the sort of like more social implications of like what those like what everything is and like how it could relate. It's, it's yeah, pretty neat. that kind of actually really leads well into the wall. If we wanna, if we're done. Oh with yeah, Bowie. so yeah, sure. we'll post that article. Thank you, Miss Booth. Not a fan of your great great grandfather. All right. <laughs> <laughs> not a fan. Yeah. No, I guess not. With that, I guess we'll go on to Pink Floyd's yeah. The Wall. Uh, Let's do it. Hell yeah. Everybody knows about the wall. You know, you've heard another brick in the wall. Roll the intro. Roll the intro. All right. 
So, um, mm. like, like we were saying with David Bowie and his story is kind of like a, a symbolic journey of a rock star. That's pretty much what, uh, the wall was, was about. It's about a fictional character named Pink. Of course, Pink Floyd, his name is Pink. It's also a rock opera. In a, uh, it's also in a very, yeah, it's a rock opera that was turned into a movie. Uh, so <laughs> the wall was released in uh, 1979, I believe, um, by Pink Floyd, the, the man. <laughs> and I guess I'll get into the story. Josh, what, who made this album? It's Pink Floyd, the band. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Pink Floyd, the band. Not uh, the person they, yeah, that I'm about a story to talk about. about Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd? The man. Yeah, there's the, the band. Rock. and then there's Wait, the who band. are they? Who's ba- who, well, is Sid Barrett and Roger Waters, you know, they're both of them are, you know, like made up. Wait, was Sid Barrett still in the band? <laughs> I think, no. I don't think he was. No, no. no. But Waters, no. Waters bases, bases oh, a lot yeah. of Oh, yeah. No, Waters bases yeah. a lot of on, pink on Sid Because Sid oh. Barrett's a fucking Poor lunatic. Sid, yeah. man. He got. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That was weird. Poor guy. So. What did he think? He thought he was like a glass of liquid. I don't know. They would just like send him to go get cigarettes. Fell over, he would shatter. He was mentally unstable. I mean, he was. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, so that's an old. It was beyond that. It was full on psychosis. Oh yeah, he was. He was sick. He was sick. Yeah. (laughs) So um, anyway, so Pink Floyd's The Wall is about Pink, uh, who um, I believe his father also fought in a war. So there's that. Uh, Apparently, that's. uh, I think his father was killed in World War II. Yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, so what Roger Roger Waters? Yeah, because his father was. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there there's some parallels to Roger Waters' life and feelings and everything throughout all this. But uh, so his father dies in the Second World War, and um, that's that's what causes um, the the character Pink to start building this metaphorical wall around him to like protect him, I guess you know from the outside influences. So he has this very overprotective mother that's going to be a, a, a strong uh, theme throughout the entire story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, he goes to school and his teachers are tyrannical and abusive and everything. It's like that old, um, it's supposed to be kind of like that old, uh, like, Catholic cliche, you know? The yeah, whole, like, yeah, smacking Catholic with rulers school, yeah, and, and exactly. stuff like that, yeah. And that's where... Hashtag uh, not all teachers. <laughs> That's where another brick in the wall. <laughs> Hashtag not all Catholics. That's where another brick in the wall comes in. Um, I think Grady's the only Catholic. We, and only in we have a clip Catholic. if you want to play the clip yeah. on that one, probably. Sure. We don't need no education. We don't need no thoughts control. So all of those, all of these things culminate in, in being more bricks in his metaphorical wall that he's placing between him and outside sources. So, all these terrible things are these bricks that go and like sort of separate him from like society. Right, and so he's yeah he's building the wall. 
so the uh, protagonist eventually becomes a rock star, and um, I think he, you know, he's doing drugs, and he eventually gets married, uh, and that uh, he's about to complete his wall or whatever, and he's touring America, and he calls back to his um, to his wife in uh, Britain. And she's Britain. and she's cheating on him because a man keeps answering the phone and hanging up. <laughs> so once he, uh, you know, once he finds out about this, uh, one of my favorite songs on the album, uh, he picks up a groupie after one of his shows and takes her back to his apartment and um, just kind of snaps and like destroys his apartment and threatens suicide. And um, one she's reason I love like, it is there's a like lot destroys of destroys his. TV yeah, she, like, and, destroys yeah. the TVs. Um, can I go? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah. I, I wanted to play a quick clip of that as well because um, there's just so much emotion in that song. It's called One of My Times. So uh, we'll play that clip. So once his marriage crumbles and he's alone and everything, um, he finishes building his wall. He's like, all right, I'm done with this. Uh, I guess it's going to be huge. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God damn it. Come on, Chris. We were doing so well. Oh, man. Come on. (laughs) Ten bucks. I just dropped $1,400 on a transmission fix. God. I will admit that the wall is is very bait heavy. It will be big. (laughs) It's called the wall. And I bit. I bit Uh, hard. That's hilarious. Oh, man. That's That's great. Awesome. My own rule. More, <laughs> <laughs> Destroyed by my own rule. More money oh, to the fun. Keep going. So once he's finished building this wall and is um, pretty much psychologically disconnected from the world, uh, he becomes really depressed and uh, starts to you know lose faith and stuff. Um, and his doctor, like in order to keep him performing, because he's a rock star, we need him out there. Um, he hey now you get out there go and play. <laughs> okay, you have to do that once every episode now. Yeah, you, okay. We, we need I, a smash you guys mouth have to reference set me up, once every. Because oh, no. he did with no, the shape of a Pepsi. <laughs> we really don't. Oh, uh, so and comfortably numb. That's what that's about. Is is uh doping him up so he'll go out and perform uh mm-hmm. on stage. There'll uh, be no more ah. Yeah, but uh, no more, uh, but it kind of backfires because he gets so uh, crazy on these drugs that he uh, believes himself to be a fascist dictator yep. and uh, leading like neo-Nazi rallies, and that's what uh, the the beginning of the second album. That's all what we're or the second part of the album is what we're talking about uh, in the flesh too, where he's taking um, uh, audience members and shoving them up against the wall, and uh, you know using some slurs that are not great. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, he does all that. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and then he like comes to, he, uh, comes down off of the drugs and he's like, shit, I just like went full Nazi at one of my concerts. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, <laughs> oops. And, and so, it, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a big oops. Um, so, it, you know, this is, he becomes overwhelmed uh, with all these, these uh, feelings of guilt and everything of what he's done. He puts himself mentally on trial, um, basically, and says, uh, you know, has um, a judge uh, try him for his, his terrible his crimes, things, yeah. Yeah, all his crimes. Um, and what the judge, I mean, this is all mental and very psych, psychic, you know, it's, uh, psychedelic. This whole thing is, uh, especially if you've never seen the movie. (laughs) Well, if you've seen the movie for starters, even if you've, even if you've never seen the movie and you've just heard the song, it's it's still pretty nuts. The albums and like all of a sudden, like the tone of the album, like just goes insane, completely flips. Yeah. And you're like, what is happening? Mm -hmm. Like he is, uh, I mean, it's so perfect though, because he is losing his mind with all this stuff Mm -hmm. and it gets so nuts and bonkers that and it makes you feel that way too like yeah you're, you're like, like literally if you listen the first time you listen to this album you're going like what is going on like wh- now these like weird like king is like screaming at me about stuff like yeah it gets very on? it's like very british and uh like <laughs> they're bringing horns and all kinds of stuff it's yeah. it's nuts Wild. the the song the trial is is where it, it all so goes bizarre. down and um so the judge sentences to sentences him to tear down the wall that he's been that he's built up uh you know to to hide Mr. him from Gorbachev. reality he sentences him to to expose himself Mr. among Gorbachev. his peers yeah expose yourself <laughs> to all of his peers yeah. and so that's kind of how it ends is um as he tears down the wall um and then the album comes around full circle and and yeah that's i think that's pretty much it did yeah, i miss anything Steve? i don't think so Anybody want to comment on how the music and the I don't know <laughs> what the whole thing is about? It's a it's about a, your journey as a rock star. You know, it's that's I mean that's what the story's about. Pink is a guy that uh, has a traumatic childhood with an overprotective mother, and he becomes a rock star, and then gets like disillusioned about the rock life and feels that there's you know that he's yeah. I feel like it, it's saying that he's become something that he didn't mean to be like that isn't himself and um he's put up this wall of who he really is t- so no one can see who he is and he needs to tear it down to be you know to to reveal himself to the world as far as you know instead of just being a personality that rock and roll personality guy you know that's the way and, i, I mean anyway. like yeah no it's definitely like a you know a very like there's lots of social you know commentary about you know you're closing yourself off and while that might seem like a good thing to do because you know everyone in your life may just be another brick and you're yeah you're just you're repressing your emotions you, is what it's about right yeah. but eventually it'll all it'll all crumble down but no i mean pink floyd was kind of one of those bands that i mean they, they were like the first one that really started this whole or at least like made it so that more bands recognized that people especially in the 70s like this whole like the theatrics hypnotic oh the psychedelic experimental sounds. psychedelic experimental yeah. 20 minute light song, shows baby Rock light rock. show thing basically that people liked an excuse to go to a concert and then have a moment have a time at which everyone could all get high together yeah they, everyone's <laughs> high everyone's like, yeah you just like get lost in the music and yeah they were definitely one for for the lasers and the lights and everything um, lots of experimental synthesis synthesized stuff and yeah. 
lots of orchestra and yeah i mean they, i mean that's they that's one of, of the things if i could do i would go back and try to see the wall or uh dark oh, side yeah. of the moon or something just to experience yeah. it because i mean that'd be cool yeah. yeah yeah but uh yeah i mean the story the music i mean those are great describing pink floyd's pink <laughs> floyd's sound is uh difficult at best but <laughs> uh, yeah really read, hard if you if you're interested read the history of the actual members like read the history between Sid Barrett and David Gilmore and Roger Waters mm. and how all of their like cuz Rogers was really vocal like he talked a lot yeah he and did he told <laughs> he told a lot of stuff he said a lot of stuff about how like he came up with all of these different ideas and like how you know all the history between the band members and their own histories and how like all this stuff like piles into this like very emotional album um so yeah i mean read all that cuz it's it's fascinating and yeah, stuff. I mean, yeah. this particular album was iconic for them. I mean, there's like four mm-hmm. or five uh, singles that they pulled off of it. Um, of course, oh, yeah. you've heard very familiar songs that we, you know, I think uh, at least one of our clips, of course, uh, very familiar to everyone. So mm-hmm. anyway, it was, it was a great album. I think that will wrap up our older album. Pink Flair. Right? Yeah. I believe so. That's the last one we got. Yeah. So... If you want to, we can transition to Coheed because Coheed draws uh, some influence from Pink Floyd. But if it best, makes more yeah. sense to do something else, we can. Sure. Let's do that. So, um, yeah, I'm down, baby. Yeah, so I guess we'll, we'll start. We'll jump right into Coheed and Cambria then. Um, Coheed and Cambria, they are a, um, a band, a progressive rock band. They started in um, New York in like the mid 90s. Shabuti. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, this was. Shibuti was before that, but they were still <laughs> yeah, in New York. That was a New Jersey. Shibuti was like in like <laughs> mid, like early nineties. The they were officially stage. Coheed and Cambria in like nineteen ninety five or something. Yeah, um, and they're very like American rock, um, very progressive. So you know they've got longer songs. The songs change style throughout the you know. Yeah, and I, I feel like, like that. they. I don't know. They they do. Uh, I I see a lot of Pink Floyd influence in them, mm-hmm. and they they have a few nods in some of their albums. One of their songs is called "Final Cut," based off of, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's got mm-hmm. super Pink Floyd uh, yeah. solos, you know. And, stuff they, like and that. the funny thing is with Coheed and Cambria is that in their early years, especially, you know, they were accused of, you know, being very Pink Floyd and being like, very rush. rush. Yeah, <laughs> and so they've literally got a song called Twenty One Thirteen that yeah. is like instead of Twenty One. I mean, ex- exactly. I mean, it's it's stylistically. It's got it's the same rush, like drum beat, doesn't proggy. it? Proggy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's rug like that prog- very rock, rush yeah. proggy um, style. Well, I mean, but, we're not. I don't want to get. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I mean, we're going to talk about one of the songs, uh, Number City. Uh-huh. Did you mention that? Yeah, there's a scene. In, there's a part in that that sounds like Pink Floyd. Yeah. yeah. It's, oh yeah. yeah it's yeah, super. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So um, just to give you a little taste of what Coheed, um, kind of what I think, you know, epitomizes Coheed, um, we'll go ahead and, and drop that in there.
Damon and I grew up with Coheed, and we love them. Just saying. yeah, it's yeah. There's one of my like, one of the first bands that I really like ever bought a CD of and really got into. And I've got tattoos that are related to Coheed and Cambria. Anyway, yes. I've got um, tattoos. The interesting thing about Coheed is they're not their their concept albums are less uh, sort of esoteric, I guess. Um, yeah, it's more about the story. I, there, I think there are there is symbology, of course, in it, but. Yeah, there, there's there's one album that is does not their most recent album. It does not have a, it's not story based. It's the only one. Still great. Um, but Get off the island. <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> all of their all of their CDs are are literally like stories. I mean, they they there are books written about. Yeah, their first of, five albums are all based off of the the original story that they came up with, right. which yeah. um, was so, about Coheed and Cambria and their children. So right, so there's this big overarching story that that yeah, their first uh, five. I mean, Claudio well, created a universe. It's so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> it's this big overarching story. Um, but the one that we want to talk. So I mean, you know, whatever Coheed and Cambria, we can go on forever. But the one that we want to yeah, talk yeah, about sure. is sort of the super prequel. Um, <laughs> the to super what, prequel. Yeah. The two to part what, super prequel to what sets up. Coheed and Cambria's universe, yeah. um, and it's called um, well, it's a two part. It was the Afterman, Afterman, yeah, Ascension, yeah. Descension, yeah. yeah. And so these kind of these albums. The reason I, I decided is that a, I think these albums are just freaking amazing. I mean, musically, they're they're just phenomenal. They're so well balanced. It's such a just great flow of music. Um, but. Yeah, it I mean, sets up the whole we, universe. We mm-hmm. had argued about it, and I mean, Stephen and I love all Coheed and Cambria, but we were sp- speaking the other day, and we kind of figured this was like the yeah. the epitome like of, of perfect. Not album. not only yeah. did we all kind of come to the conclusion that it's probably some of their best work, yeah. if not their best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is, if we're going to be talking about a lot of concept albums, the main story of Coheed is so freaking huge. Yes. Right. Whereas one with this two-part prequel. It's so one, it's a story that's a little bit more contained. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and two, um, there's a lot more relatability in it. Right. Even exactly. though it's still sci-fi and there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens. It's less of an there's opera. There's a lot of, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. a lot, there's a lot of grounded feeling. Yeah. There's right. a lot of grounded emotion. Stuff that people can yeah, relate Yeah, all the emotion to. is I very relatable. Up, people sure. get hurt because I messed up. It's not so much what you did, it's the fact that, yeah, the repercussions of what you did and how real world it yeah, is. Yeah, and the, like the so, main, the, yeah. the four album, you know, piece or four albums was it it's five five albums um you know that uh, a that's a lot of albums like you said but uh, (laughs) also the concepts in them get very strange yeah there's a lot of mythological stuff going that you can't help it just happens to you yeah we would have to explain like the background of things and the relationships between there's so many not to mention once you start talking about the writing writer who is literally right Right. (laughs) character in this story that is writing the story Mm -hmm. and somehow gets involved in the story yeah he writes himself into a story good job claudio (laughs) that's the most cringeworthy thing you've ever done it's so commenting yeah, on so the nature so, of fiction itself. So this one's a, <laughs> right. a much more no, self No, he wanted to do self-insert unit. fan fiction is what he wanted to do. Well, the, not even that. Not even naming the main character Claudio. No, I'm talking about the writing writer who is... Oh, it, I misunderstood that's, yeah, yeah, that. That stuff own. gets trippy and confusing and, and yeah. that's for another time. That's for the Coheed podcast. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> we'll need yeah. at least two hours. <laughs> so the Afterman, it, like, you know, like we said, it is very... It's got real sort of characters that you can relate to and have like real problems, um, and it also sets up the universe that Coheed and Cambria lives in. So, the whole universe is this big network of, of stars, these stars yeah. that 
generate this energy that bind all these planets mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And this big network is called the Keywork. The Keywork. Um, and the story is about a um, scientist. Scientist um, astronaut. Science, yeah, Cyrus Amory. That's his name. Scientist astronaut. <laughs> Scientist he's astronaut. A, he's an Adventure Time character, oh, apparently. Oh, my goodness. Those initials are the same. Yeah, S-A. Yeah, perfect. Weird. <laughs> but we, Silas we Amory? Out, yeah. Cyrus, yeah, Cyrus Amory, scientist Cyrus. astronaut. They're the same. I think yeah. we figured out uh, Claudio's uh, thought process thought there. Process, yeah. Yeah. That's right <laughs> of a letter. So, yeah, Cyrus know? Amory, he um, goes into space, and he enters this energy that binds these these planets together. Um, he enters that the key work. Yeah. Um, and so what he, he finds... Yeah, he develops this AI like spacesuit, mm-hmm. right? The All-Mother. Mother, yeah. Yeah, the All-Mother. And Weird. what he finds is in Ascension. This is when no, he's Ascension. in is actually... Or, or in Ascension, excuse me, yeah. <laughs> wow, Val, the top Coheed fan, just got all these <laughs> tattoos. Can't even keep the title Whatever, straight. man. It's just the Afterman in my brain. Yeah, it's all um, it's all one thing, to be honest. Yeah. I know, baby doll. He, he enters the key work, and he finds that when... People die. Their consciousness is what fuels the energy that holds the universe together. But kind of crazy, kind of cool. When you <laughs> when when these souls enter, they're often conflicted. Well, all the and ones so he, he runs into, anyway. <laughs> well, there's then that's that's the duality of it is that there's there's Ooh. these conflicted souls that he he encounters these key entity. Yeah. Hey, mind um, if I get in your body for a second? I'd rather you're not. What? And they they literally possess him, and he lives through the most um, yeah he lives through their moment yeah of their, their darkest lives. moments yeah whatever the and darkest moments are yeah whether it be losing a boxing match or killing a bunch of kids in a fire or being yes. an insane lady I don't really know or, what yeah, being... was. Hollywood Hollywood yeah fucking a loaded gun fucking a loaded, loaded gun. gun Jesus Christ Logan Dunn. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he encounters all of these entities, and he lives through mm-hmm. their most trying moments, um, and he finds that once they have resolved those moments internally, and sometimes, you know, it's kind of like, who, how long have they been doing this? Once they resolve it, they are sort of able to be at peace, and that peace is what fuels the keyword, oh, and, yeah, en- okay. and he encounters so, one of these... So it's like a purgatory where once you have whatever you do to get out of purgatory sort of found your own resolution yeah your resolve your wait. sins yeah in yeah. purgatory you just wait once you've yeah. paid for your sin then that energy that's released is what's is what keeps everyone else okay. in the universe that's, alive mm-hmm. yeah so in in the <laughs> the final acts of of ascension he encounters one of these beings that actually has um found the, the this purity evagria and um he's like near, he's literally dying he's on like 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 yeah, his life support door. systems are failing, and she finds him, and she takes him in, and he he sees he gets a a, a brief glimpse at what what she, she had to resolve. Right. What the well, well, yes, her life, what she resolved, and then what happened once she did it. She he sees basically heaven, and oh, what, yeah, what it looks right. like once these souls, you know, find their resolution. He sees what the key work actually is. He sees its entity, its pureness, or whatever. Anyway. Does all that, he gets flung back to Earth. Well, uh, what about Century no, has to What about Century the Defiant? Yeah. That's how that album ends, but he doesn't leave at the beginning of 2. He has to talk to Century the Defiant first. So oh, what yeah. between meeting Century the Defiant... And just so just so you know, Century, so there's a character in the first half, the first album, um, who was... What was he, a general, Stephen? Which the one? military guy? Oh, the one um, who burns the... Yeah, that, that burns, burns the, the building. Yeah, he was a yeah, he was like some sort of general. Yeah, 
So, and you, you hear about his story, and Vic Century the, the Defiant is the one who... Vic the Butcher. Yeah. So, Century the Defiant, he's the one who mm. stood up to him, right? Uh, yeah. yes, so. yes. So, so, after he meets Century is when he goes back to Earth. So, what happens with that meeting that allows him to go back to Earth? Because it doesn't seem like Evagria is the sole reason he gets to go back. No, yeah, you do That's get... You do get... So, the, the, the Vic, who... who his big thing and what what he what what Amor, uh, Cyrus lives through um, for Vic the he butchers hangs is secrets. that he hangs him up he hangs him up now and he <laughs> ends up like he ends up like burning he ends up like making a decision to like burn this building down for some reason and ends up he ends up finding out there's like an orphanage underneath and they all die he like kills all these kids oops yeah um, and <laughs> damn <laughs> <laughs> can't win them all uh, right in his oops hey away. what was underneath ah oh, man. An orphan. <laughs> um, Can we cover this up? It's always an orphanage. <laughs> Who builds an orphanage here? Century, Century um, was a sergeant major in Vic's army. Yeah, and he was um, like, I'm not going to let you like, do this. Yeah. Or, or, yeah, and so sort of Can't when Vic that Star Fox. attacks <laughs> Cyrus, the afterman, and Evagri is helping. Your orphan screamed real good before they died. <laughs> Century. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. Okay, give me props for that one. Yeah, that was good. Yes. Okay. <laughs> reluctant, reluctant props. Uh, that's the hardest I'll laugh at Orphanstein. <laughs> that's oh, Star Fox. It won't references. be the last joke I make about it. It won't either. be the last uh, time I laugh that's, at Orphanstein. That's a new challenge. That's a new challenge. I'm going to now try to make you laugh even harder at an orphan joke in the future. <laughs> Please don't. Please oh, don't. Jesus. <laughs> so, and the order in which these happen are a little because Center to Define is actually the first song of the second album. Yeah. But, like, in the storyline. They kind of all happen at the same time. These last like four songs, right? The, kind of all happen. Yeah. Century. So, Amory is with is being attacked by Vic. Um, Sentry shows up, and they sort of like conflict. And it turns out that their resolution is basically each other's. Um, and there's a lot of what happens as far as like Vic, Vic the butcher ends up like taking his own life, and Sentry isn't really sure why, and he has to deal with that. And it, it gets really deep, and there's lots of little things in between. Sure. Um, but essentially, that conflict, uh, Amory lives inside of it. He lives in between um, Vic and Sentry. You know, they were like, you know, father and son almost in their in life, and so yeah, because, they're both yeah. trying to deal with like what happened to each other. Yeah, what it reminds me of is this old, uh, like 1937 sci-fi book called Star Maker, where this guy mm-hmm. like kind of trips into uh, stars into traveling through space. Um, and like meets these galactic consciousness or whatever, and and just kind of is that uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? No, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, it's by Olaf Stapledon. Olaf, um, freaking Olaf, yeah. But like Stapleton. he meets with just these, a, giant just a very Viking. normal last name. He meets with these various like super intelligent beings and stuff like that, and it just reminded me of it because he's just like floating around like yeah because yeah cyrus is a very very much what do you make of what you see before you i am olaf cyrus is very much a uh, passenger on this journey Mm -hmm. well and that's the thing is that because he's he's felt evagria um whenever um vic and sentry are sharing um cyrus's mind he's like hey i think i can help sentry yeah, because Century was hmm. Century died before he like 
was able to see how Vic turned out, and so he, he's over. That's where he's like conflicted. Oh, so um, he so, like shows Sentry, right? So yeah, so he like Cyrus is able to actually like kind of show Sentry like, hey, this is how you move on to the second level. This is what you need to do. You need to be able to like give up. Um, okay. And he tells him it doesn't matter now, Sentry. Just like go move beyond. This moment does not define you. Um, you know, referring back to because you know he's blaming himself in a lot of ways for what right. happened to Vic and what Vic did. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not your fault. Yeah, you stood against it. Yeah, yeah. and so Sentry's able to to move out, and there's like I said, it's 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 a incredibly long story. I mean, this it's like a. And so after that happens, he goes back to Earth. So what right. triggers him going back to Earth? Uh, she waves her hand as if using her fingers to cut um, an opening in space around her. Oh, there Pulls you go. Oh. up a portion of materialized energy like a fishing net, showing Cyrus the way out. <clears throat> Free of the stifling vapors of the keywork, the All-Mother attempts to reconnect with the with remnants the of his yeah. ship. Um, they find out they can't they can't get to his ship. And he's, um, yeah, and he's just falling back to Earth. He's basically just got to fall back to Earth in his suit that he's wearing. And, and you know, there's a scene his... where she's like, yep, they're probably not going to live. Yeah, no, they, she t- yeah. I love that. Like, one, you're mm-hmm. probably not going to live, and then, like... Then the question. The time... We can know, actually play a clip of what the suit says. I know where it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would like yeah, to, sure, actually. Let's do, do that. Boom. Connection to Principal Croft has been lost. Attempt to reconnect in three, two, one. Connection failed. Recalculating navigation via secondary mobile apparatus. Estimated speed. At falling rate of 263 knots. Rate of survival, 33%. How long have we been away? Approximate calculation, 547 days. Cyrus, do you still want to go home? So yeah, as you can see... 33% uh, chance of living. Been away for 500 500 and how many days he's been gone? Yeah. Are you sure? Do you even want to? That's... I don't know. Do you want to? It's been so long, everything you've known has changed. Yeah, your whole world is shattered at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that was a lot of talk about the first one. It's, it's great. I mean, that's why I have a keyword tattooed on my arm, because I just think it's a beautiful well, what we're, idea. What we're talking about right now is the beginning of the second one. Yeah, let's let's try to get through it real quick. And so, <laughs> and then, yeah, the second one, um, which is, has a little more... It's all it's all more based realism. In, it's, it's, on it's, Earth, you know? It's all kind of... Well, but it's... it's Yeah, so now he's back on Earth. It's a little more real. Yeah. This is kind of less science fiction. <laughs> so, spoiler he alert, back. he lands on Earth and doesn't die. I think yeah, no, he goes out there, something. he has all yeah. these experiences, and then he comes back and has to mm-hmm. incorporate that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and so, so they get him in this press conference situation, and he's got to, like, Mr. Cyrus Amory. Yeah, they're all like, oh my god, you know, he's he's discovered secrets of the universe that we never knew existed. He's, like, made this groundbreaking discovery, blah, blah, blah. He returned, and he, you know, he's got all this information. Mm-hmm. Um, he has the boon. What is it? Right, yeah. Um, and you get a lot of, you know, there's, there's there's a lot of social implications that they go into as far as, like, people don't believe him, or people think Which he's brings crazy. us to the hard sell, which right. I have a clip for. These eyes ungoverned are tearing us apart. Serious was taken, I've given up on all. Now I believe in anything they praise. When one hand holds them the victor, while the other holds the shovel to their grave. I stood by everything I loved, while you never understood me much. 
So no, this is where I think Steven and I, because the first, like I said, so this, the first, the second album starts with the century situation and then he leaves. Um, and I think this is, even though the first half is so freaking great, I think the second half is what we really cling to. Yes. I think that mm-hmm. because it wraps it up so well, mm-hmm. because now you really, you see all these personal traumas going on with these spirits, but now you have his, his life to deal with. Right. The he remnants home. of what you learn. Right. And what's great is he's at this press conference in the hard cell and he's basically, you know, screaming at this audience like, no one fucking listened to me at all. Yeah, because yeah. no one believed I, this, I, this mission he was going on was going to work. They were all like, you're an idiot. You're going to go up there. It's just, and, you know, now it's work. convenient to a team. I think that's definitely... Well, right? Yeah. Isn't that very accessible to people, though? Like, yeah, I think everyone's, everyone's experienced that before. Yeah, well, something... Just to, yes. to quickly, because we're, we're, we're getting long on this, um, to quickly put a bow on this, um, the thing that makes this one so beautiful is that you know he goes and he talks, and everyone's very excited. They don't understand it, but they're excited about it. Like, they don't get it, and he's like, ugh, they're just smiling at me and looking at me, and, like, they're just, like... They're not understanding what I'm telling them. They're not understanding the implications. Mm-hmm. Well, of like, it's, it's like trying to de- describe... I mean, he had this otherworldly experience right. and right, you try exactly. to bring it back to Earth and describe he, it. I mean, he saw God, sort of. The real, the real conflict um, yeah. is between he and his... His fiancé. Wife, fiancé, yeah, who thought he yeah. had died. So she has moved on. Yeah, she I mean, she's um, found she got saved from being raped by an uh, off-duty cop, I guess. Oh, yeah. kind of fell yeah. for mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Um... And so when they sort of reunite, um, she's unable to, what's the mm-hmm. word, uh, deal with yeah. everything that he is saying. She doesn't, she's unable to sort of reconcile all of that. Yeah, reconcile. Um, and so there's this moment where they're, in, they're, they're, she's like, they're traveling together yeah, I mean, and they're trying to figure out like. You're a different like, person. Yeah, you, 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 you're not, yeah. I still love you, but you're not is, you. Was there any time uh, difference in experience between him and people on Earth? Like was it years, you know, decades? Well, later I don't think he yeah. was. I don't think his experience was five hundred and some odd days. And um, so they're 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 traveling. They're, they're you know the first time they're face to face. They're discussing everything that's like going on. And um, the I think the the most beautiful part of all of this is is she dies. That's not she, beautiful. Well, her. Um, <laughs> Is that these these two worlds, these two parts of this album, sort of colliding together? Um, mm-hmm. This whole like afterlife thing, and then his whole personal thing, and then those two like slamming together. Okay. So she reveals to Cyrus that she's pregnant. Like a car rams into a eighteen wheeler, and he like freaks out, and he like drives <laughs> off the road. As a, as such and such, yeah, I guess he's driving her home, and they're having right. this discussion in the car, and it's getting heated, and she reveals she's right. pregnant, and he loses control of the car. Right, slams into the, like a median, and and they both like jettison from the car. And there's a moment in the song "Gravity's Union" that I would like to play. We understood the unmistakable two romantics on holiday. that and i just love that part so much because this is literally the moment where they are suspended in midair yes 
looking at each there's other, a chunk of watching that each other, in like milliseconds, watching, like looking at each other in this one perfect frozen moment before they both hit the ground. She, she obviously is is very, very bad. I thought they injured. hit an eighteen wheeler. What did I get that from? I don't, I don't remember. I know there's the something about hitting over. They might like jump over a median and then hit the eighteen. Okay. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't know. But um, and then away we go. Um, is her? Yeah. So uh, what? Just real quick, what happens? Uh, they take them both to the hospital, and mm-hmm. they can only save Cyrus. Uh, right. So she ends up dying. Right. And, but uh, away we go is from her perspective, essentially, um, as she is experiencing dying. Yeah. It's a uh, beautiful so, song. A it's so beautiful good. Song. We're giving up. You can leave what little we believe. After all, this guy, come give me what I need. favorite line is you were my holiday i love that that just like yeah uh so good it's you like such a loving holiday. song like it's such an obviously like and even coheed or uh, claudio even says like this song is about my wife yeah like, this is sure. like just like this is a love song yeah um and it, yeah it's beautiful and that's one of the reasons i brought up uh hard sell earlier because that's a very personal song for claudio too yes yeah most of these out most of these songs are yeah. very very yeah 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 um, we're telling a story but we're also well, yeah. that's the cool thing about Coheed and Cambria is, on, yeah, they they yeah. subsume their their personal stories into this mm-hmm. huge, like you know, big story. They turn what's an ordinary personal, you know, kind of identifiable but low stakes song into something that is is big. You know, yeah, yeah. And as you know, that joking, um, very pretentious line from Rick and Morty season one is. It's a, a seri- it's a part of your book, autobiographical. Well, I, I believe all art in some form is autobiographical. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so anyway, yeah, to, um, yeah, to tie it yeah, up. Yeah, and just just finally, um, there's I mean, there's a lot more to talk about. Um, Dark Side of Me really has a lot of... Yeah, um, and Cyrus kind of blames himself for everything that's happened and well, that's, yeah, um, laments. Iron yeah. Fist, Iron Fist is very much, um, this is my fault. But I mean, and he should have. He, he, I mean, he, unless he accidentally lost control of the car he should well yeah and that's the thing is as well it's not just about the car crash it's about i left um we grew apart because of that and you know like it's just everything i put i put science in my career yeah yeah yeah. my discovery my discoveries my personal glories ahead of right the person if if i could i'd take even if you did it for some you know noble reason i mean yeah you still chose noble reason over person Anyway, no, great, fantastic album. Well, let's Lovely let's message. finish with what he actually yeah. does. Yeah, so because that's a beautiful Sorry. part too. She she dies. He knows where she is. Ironically, he just left the key work, and now that's where she is. Yeah. So he basically redoes everything he did, and he goes back. Um, and there's a nice little thing right at the end where she, uh, the all mother um, that he's reinstalled into yeah, his new ship. She's like, um, we and we can play it, but um, yeah, you know, she's should. essentially saying like, so wait a minute. You're now 
You, you just almost came back. Died. Yeah. Almost died. And now you're going back to the very same place that nearly killed you. And he's like, yep. And she's like, Cyrus, is this what love is? And he's like, yep. Yes. yes. You fought to withdraw from a location which has incited severe quantifiable pain and nearly terminated the mission. Nearly terminated your life. Yet you desire to set course back to it. They're not equipped to comprehend human rationale. Cyrus, is this what love is? It's very nice. It's very Beautiful. pretty bow. Oh. Um, it's a good story. Yeah. So anyway, I fucking love these two albums. I could recommend them to pretty much anybody. Yeah, that's a really good great. Yeah. end of it. So cool. That was lengthy. Let's do Decemberus. Grady, you have yeah, let's do you have four and a half minutes to tell us about the hazards of love. All right, <laughs> I can do that. The hazards of love is about a chick named Margaret. Uh, well, let's do the cast of characters first, so you know who <laughs> yeah. all is here. Uh, Jesus right? Christ! It's, it's, it's <laughs> there not aren't many. That many. There are four yeah, main characters, all right? Yeah, so you got characters. Margaret and William, and here they are in Hazards of Love 2. And then you got the queen of the forest. She's badass. And here she is in, in The Wanting Comes in Waves. So she, that is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lady. If you're out there, just sing to me forever. She's be... powerful. Um, yeah, and then you got the rake, who's an asshole, but who's kind of funny. And here he, he killed his kid. Here he's in the rake song. Charlotte, I buried after beating a box club. Dawn was easy. She was drowned in the bath. I say a fun, but was easily bested. Burned his body. Super funny. All this child murder on our podcast. It's been a lot of child murder in this. In this. All right. Yeah. I mean, we have to face the facts. Child murder is funny. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't want to face those facts. Those are facts. It's, it's been played for humor repeatedly on our cast. So I do not endorse this. Um, Josh is our dissenting boat, uh, but I'm, I'm on the record. Be the dissenting boat saying that it's funny. Point is, uh, all right. So the story is about Margaret. You heard before singing in her beautiful tones. The young uh, who falls in love with a guy that used to be a deer. Um, well, didn't didn't the queen like save him from mm-hmm. uh, death by making him half a deer, half a man? 
he turns to a deer during the day. Night? Yeah. Yeah. Day. Day. The day, first day, thing day. we encounter, right? Margaret rides out into the middle of fucking nowhere and she sees this injured deer and she's like, Oh my God, this injured deer. Let me help him. But then the deer oh. becomes a man and she's like, Dang. I've always wanted to fuck a he deer, is man. hot. Yeah. And so they fuck um, in the forest and they love each other. And Margaret is pregnant. Um, she goes back and her her either her sisters or people in the village or perhaps she's a nun it's not made clear um i thought i was just assumed that it was just the women she worked with yeah no that's that's one interpretation some people are like ah, she's so a problem. nun I, I thought she was a princess and these were like her court maids you know the court see <laughs> yeah there's a lot of different <laughs> ways court you can go maids, but you know what i mean court women around her are like uh yeah. margaret it has been some time since you've had to use the uh tampons so like <laughs> It's, Are you it's, pregnant? It's a little, yeah. It's a little bit cleaner than, than that. Uh huh. And, and they, and then, and they also dropped trouble the sister. Who is yeah, your baby sister. daddy, by the way? You know what irascible black guard is the father? I was telling <laughs> oh, yeah. the guys earlier. Um, I was doing the lyric, the thing on genius for the lyrics thing, and all of the uh, things yeah. for the December's references were vocabulary terms. They were like, "Here's the yeah, definition." Like, was yeah, we we yeah. will warn that the vocabulary is uh, unique. <laughs> yeah. What does trouble the cistern mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I thought was like, you know, trouble what the is cistern a tiger? in terms of it's bleeding not a tiger. into the it's a place. bathtub. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so they are like, who's the baby daddy? And she's like, oh my God, everyone knows I'm pregnant. I better leave. <laughs> what and did so you think she- was going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> so she takes off um, and she goes into the woods and she's like walking around. She gets tired, but she's like, where is William? Come on. Hey, she's William. Just talking to all these deer and none of them are. Yeah, she's like Snow Whiting it, but yeah, just like hey, are you William? Forest, like, like talking to plants away. and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, finally William shows up, and he's like, "Margaret, say, I know we had some times, <laughs> Margaret, say, but I say also her. like love you and stuff." And so they have some sweet times. But the Queen of the Forest creeps up on them during this time. Yeah, she's gonna say, I uh, and you. then. <laughs> Uh, but they, they, don't, they don't really notice it. They kind of sing about. Gross. <laughs> 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 the queen. She's some. She's uh, she's an old one's like she's Lovecraftian. An old era, she's an, no, she's an old um, oil baron. Yeah, she's an, she drinks oh, a milkshake. She drinks it up. <laughs> yeah, she drinks a milkshake. She drinks it up. Anyway, continue, ready? Uh, sorry. So uh, the queen of the forest um, eventually. She's like, I Margaret thought I told kinda, you not to talk Margaret to and William people. part ways after talking about how they had sex before. Wait, hold on. I love that. I'm sorry, Grady. Grady talks for two seconds. You know, yeah, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just um, I'm supplementing, man. Come on. So what, what are you supplementing with, actually? I, uh, I, I, I was just saying, like, she finds out that he's been with this lady, and he's like, and she's like, I told you not to do that. I saved your life and mm-hmm. made you mine and you're not supposed to be talking to girls <laughs> yeah no um that's yeah that's what i was getting to is the, the queen's approach william figures out oh shit the queen's here and yeah like you said uh she's uh well margaret you gotta get out of here my mom's coming right. <laughs> oh so i always picture this like margaret and william had already like sort of parted ways or like she's somewhere else while he's no, I, I feel to like she, yeah she's watching um and like as William turns to leave, like Margaret's already gone. William turns to leave, and she comes out. And she's like, "Yep, I saw you." Yeah. And my interpretation is she totally saw them fuck. Like, sure, yeah, she saw well, that yeah. happen. She watched, and then afterwards, it was a very like psycho, the movie Psycho situation. <laughs> Who is that girl? <laughs> no, it's no one, mother. It's nothing. <laughs> she's a whore. She's a harlot. 
And then find out later that the whole that girl time is it's, the just devil. Been William, it's just been William Hudson. <laughs> that foosball. <laughs> that foosball. If I had to foosball say anything, is the devil. it would be the snake's knee. Oh, also, I'm sorry. Um, okay. At what point yeah. does William think that he's going to be able to hide something from the queen of the forest? God, like, William's a moron. Well, yeah, William is no, the stupidest the character. <laughs> there's, a recurring theme, there's a recurring theme of like the wanting comes in ways. Like He's so in love with Margaret. He can't help himself. No, he's so in horny with well, Margaret. and horny in love. What's well, the difference? He's in Romeo and Juliet <laughs> love with Margaret. Yeah. So, just, oh, this goes back to our la- our conversation from last night about always adding horny on top of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hungry horny and horny. horny, man. I'm sad and horny. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, that's Dumb. it's like such horny. an unstoppable force. This wanting that he has for Margaret that. Of, you know, yeah, it's called puberty. That he, uh, it, it's very yeah. It, yeah, no, it's young love for sure. It's young love. Puppy um, love, baby. He he in the in the opening of that song, the wanting comes in waves. What you were talking about, yeah. um, he acknowledges. You know, yeah, I get it. I was floating in the river, and you plucked me out and saved me from, you know, death because the the, the men had you know the world of men had consumed me, had uh, condemned me to abandoned me yeah. just death on the river, and you saved me. I get it, but like Margaret, dude, I really want to be with her. Yeah, it's like. You don't understand. And the queen was like, are you serious? I saved you from that. I rescued you. I gave you immortality. I I anointed you with lotion. Yeah, I healed you. You are, you know, a fawn by day, a man by night because of me. I am the source of that. And now you want to go run off with some skank. I don't want to be a fawn. I don't want to be a fawn But then she she kind of makes him a bargain, right? She's like, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, William strikes the bargain. I'll give you tonight. And yeah. he says, can I please just have one more night with this girl? She's like, super fine. But anyway, can I have one more night with her? And then I'll return forever to you. Yeah. You know. And he rolls a natural 20 on his deception check. Yeah. And <laughs> the queen is like, all right, one more night. And then you are with me forever and your debt is repaid. Yeah. Right. And She's so. Overbearing mother. Yeah. Bow, bow, now, then we bow. roll Makes on into stories, a, I guess. We roll on into the rake. Everyone's favorite child murder. Child world. killer. He's, he's a horrible human being. This is a guy who marries young. Yeah, and he's he marries like, at 21. We can fuck all the time. And so that's what. <laughs> and then he she does. started getting pregnant. And then, yeah, his wife starts spitting out babies as he puts. How dare she? <laughs> How dare she? <laughs> and he's like, this sucks. <laughs> But they then his wife worse. dies giving birth to a stillborn, and now he's got three kids, no wife, and he's like, oh, my God, this sucks. Yeah, he's going to divest yeah, his I'm burden. That's Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his burden he begins to divest, divest. Yeah. which is a murder spree. <laughs> All right. And he just kills All his right. kids, and then the last line is like, yeah, never really bothered me. That's fine. Whatever. No, I thought the you know, expect you might think that I might be haunted, yeah. but it never really bothered me. So, okay, I think looking back in context, that's probably like you think it would bother me that I did it, but it doesn't. Yeah. But, it doesn't. but later on, no, the, we'll, we'll get out, there. It's way oh, more yeah. literal. There will be there will be revenge. <laughs> there will yes. be revenge. Exactly. So yeah, it's it's a random transition. There's no um. There's an interlude. Yeah, it's in there's like why is interlude? Yeah, why is this guy? There's around? an interlude, we'll and then boom. You get hit with child murder from this character. That's what we're starting at. And then, yeah, yeah, then you're all of a sudden, yeah. what the fuck? What is going on? Oh my Why God. is this guy killing his kids? All right. Why so he, he turns out to be hiding. He makes that quite clear, Josh. Maybe listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, he shows up um, in the William and Margaret story and immediately kidnaps Margaret. Yeah. Um, he's just. Like, what, he's hired. 
Wasn't he hired? Eh, no. I, so the way I've interpreted no, it is that I thought he was hired. There's nothing said thought, ahead of time that he was hired. No, okay. I, yeah, I think I think that's the case. I listened to it last night, and it seems like he abducts her just because he's lustful and a terrible person. Mm-hmm. And then, but then the later the queen's like, like hey, "Hey, I know you that. have her, and I'm yeah. going to help yeah. you get away." And gives her blessing to it. Yeah, no, yeah. exactly. That's that's how I interpreted it too. Okay, I have read the whole thing about Queen contracting him, but I don't know. Yeah, that's what I had always assumed, honestly. The uh, the the way the story flows on the album that doesn't it, it doesn't expressly um, mm-hmm. endorse that because she so. kind of even met, uh, so the Queen shows up and she mentions again how much she's done for William. And then she says, thank you, Rake. You have eliminated this, you know, this tart that's been tempted. Yeah, you've, you've taken this this uh, uh, temptation away from my son. Yeah. Basically. Uh-huh. And she says, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I get it. You're going to, like, defile her. You're going to rape her and all that. Whatever. Well, he comes He comes to the Ann and Water, right? He, mm-hmm. he, he comes to the river and he's unable to cross. Yeah. yeah. And, and so she so says, she I'll help up. you. Yeah, yeah she she shows up and she's like, "Thanks for kidnapping this bitch. I'll help you across the river." Yeah, because this river's big and wide, and uh, its waters Best. ramble wild. Mm-hmm. And then William realizes, "Holy shit, where is Margaret?" He tracks her down to the river, but he's like, "Oh my god, this river! I can't cross it." Oh my god! So he makes a bargain. Uh, William is like. The worst history, the worst deal possibly in the history of deals. Yeah, he's very and I have to pay ten dollars for that, I guess. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> me and you come in waves, Grady. But William shows up to the river, and of course, he makes a deal with it that please let me across, and when I come you, back, yeah, you can you kill me. Let me pass. You can have my bones when I come back. Yeah, you can have my on my return. Yeah, my wretched yeah. bones. Um. So he and the river is like, I guess, sure, sure you can cross. Uh, yeah, so he calms its waters and he crosses the river. And he crosses and he goes and after Margaret point. while the rake is taunting her and being like, bitch, you can't escape. Nobody's uh-huh. going to hear you. <laughs> I'm going to rape you here. And ha 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 ha. Jesus. But He's horrible. The rake is like the worst. And wait, worst, just yeah. wait for it, though. Margaret sweet, calls sweet out. revenge. Margaret calls out to William. To help her escape, and Rake's just laughing the whole time because he's like, "Whatever, no one's going to hear you." But, but then you can hear child songs True. in the no hazard, <laughs> the Mothman, <laughs> the Mothman. <laughs> uh, in Hazards of Love Three. The Rakes, the ghosts of the Rakes children show up. It's a super creepy song. <laughs> While carnival music plays, yeah, and it's just like this horribly distorted, like. Yeah, let's play a clip of that. Put that in there. Yeah, I'll change it in the It's, it's very much um, like Stephen King feeling. You know? yeah, well, so I mean, holy like, shit! And like, each of them, each of them has their own little, uh, each of them has their own little section of the song. Yeah, that describes like, how like, they died, how he murdered yeah. them, uh, mm-hmm. and it's all they're also innocent. Yeah, 
and a rake gets he gets driven mad by his children's ghosts it's who perfect. previously like chris had said he you know uh, shrugged it off fuck it whatever but apparently not right because mm-hmm. they show well, up not and, when they show up as ghosts <laughs> and just like drive him insane william shows up and rescues margaret they make a quick getaway and you think "Woo, this is awesome this is Hooray. great the main well, character river do they have to cross great but you are listening to a decemberists album and yeah, just gonna, like it's gonna be sad just like we said before with the british they are going to make it sad the decemberists are not british but they are going to make it sad <laughs> The British and Portlandians are yeah, the same thing. Portlanders. Portland, yeah. Portlandites. Portlandians. Portlandites. Um, They're all sad. So they come back to the Annan Water, the river. And the final yeah. song, they come back to the Annan Waters. That is owed a debt. Yeah, it's it's owed a debt, specifically Bones. William's life. Um, yeah. <laughs> and William's like, ah, shit. Uh, so I made a deal with this river, and I, I kind of have to I die. I gotta die now. Which she responded... How do you talk to a fucking river? Are you a fucking lunatic? Before, he's before like, we get yeah, married here, right. I need you to know that uh, I have this some debts. about to kill me. <laughs> yeah. And so they agree in classic, tragic December's fashion. Like, we're going we're gonna to get, get married, married right in the river yeah. and drown together. We'll roll as river stones. We both go yeah. drown together. Oh gosh. Yeah, it's such a common theme with them. They just love yeah. dying. Yeah, it's, your, it's your classic Romeo and Juliet. Except you know? the theme in the other one that we talked about. And we'd rather Valencia? be together in death and than apart in uh, life. Yeah, like, you know? dude. Well, no, but in, we both go down together. Isn't there like a, a subtext of it's not exactly consensual? Well, because she's remember. not mentally all there and he's, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. That's a different album and not <laughs> yeah, part That's of not for here. Yep. That is, and and uh, the end, the end thing is that they die together in the river there, it, uh, complete with her child and belly, and it's sad. It is dies, sweet, except for the and, queen of the forest. And that uh, that song she is really beautiful. I like that. The last it song. is yeah, it's gorgeous. It's just super sad, as any December song is really. All right, that was the Decemberist. Sad stuff. Well, let's uh, try to knock the proto man out real quick. Proto let's man. do it. Knock them out. They're great guys. Yep. Yeah, we're we're running up against the wall here. The wall so, that we built. All right. This is a nice little uh, combo. It's a good way to end for us because um, this this particular band, um, while they've done some oh. cover stuff and some stuff, they they they, they did a rock opera. A rock opera. By was Mega a rock Man. Opera about Mega Man. And the so beautiful the thing story... about this, oh. the thing that I like, the, the I always think about whenever I think about um, uh, the Proto Men is Chris telling me about this band for the first time. And he's telling me, like, dude, there's this mm-hmm. band. They're called the Proto Men. They're really cool. Like, they're awesome. They sing about Mega Man. And I'm like, what? That sounds ridiculous. I'm not listening to that. They sound stupid. And he's like, no, it's I, really, concept, really cool. I sound ridiculous. I'll admit that. <laughs> I, I said, look, here's the deal. So they were, I, if, I might be wrong, but I think this is the story. They were in music school. They had to follow a strict set of restrictions for their first music project. And they rebelled and made an album about Mega Man. And that's Act One, mm-hmm. which they release later. Um, we'll play some of these as we go on. I've got three songs, and they're mostly just one is from Act One, and two are from Act Two, and they're mostly designed just to show you how different this stuff gets. Yeah. So with Act One, basically they wanted to rebel against these rules, and they made an album that broke all the rules they were given. <laughs> and they were just like, great. "Let's make it about fucking Mega so Man." So punk rock. And so I said, Stephen, listen to Act One, and it's real punk rock, it's real indie, mm-hmm. and then listen to Act Two, 
and trust oh me, my God. when you get Act 2, you're going to call me immediately. And I was like, I, I, I put it off forever because I was like, no, this sounds so dumb. I kept bugging him. so, so dumb. dumb. See, my introduction <laughs> to it was I kept Woodman? hearing it in the Come car on. and being like, who are these guys again? I know you've said that. I know you played them. Well, I was, the reason I found out about them was because it's a podcast that no longer exists. It's changed over the years, uh, but uh, the Laser Time Network, it's kind of in a weird state right now. But the guys who originally founded that, were talk radar for the website games radar which is a shadow of its former self radar radar and they had a podcast and then it, the end of one of them they talked about radar love proto men yeah and they played light up the night which i have a clip for light for later but i was just like what is this and i looked into it and i was immediately hooked i bought both albums immediately we're still waiting on act three oh, yeah, and act two came out when we were in fucking college <laughs> well but, i mean um, i will wait until the end of days, if they it's will coming. just release it. <laughs> they released two si- singles a couple of years ago, and I think this, the third one's pretty close. I, they can take whatever time they need to make something as beautiful <laughs> as Act 2. Okay, so the, the basic story in the first album is pretty straightforward. It's basically, you had um, Proto Man, who was created by Dr. Light, who ends up um, disappearing. He's presumed dead. And uh, he creates Mega Man, and he's already—I think he already had Mega Man. But uh, after that, he basically sees him as his son, and he just goes, "No, you can't follow in your brother's footsteps. Yeah, you can't. You'll die. There's no point in trying." Doctor Light, Mega Man, we're just, we're just going to do this. Yeah. we're just going to hide out and be whatever. And then over the course of the album, pretty quickly, and Mega Man decides, "No, fuck that. I'm going to avenge my brother," which leads us to the song "Vengeance," which I will play a clip of from now. Okay, so as you can tell, this is a very indie album, very raw, yeah, um, underproduced, and all and, that. We are in control, and so he's in. We are in control. So basically, yeah, he just says, "No, fuck that. I'm gonna go out there. I'm gonna avenge my brother." And it's a it's a play on the Mega Man theme. I don't know. I know Steven and I have played tons of them, mm-hmm. um, but um, I don't know about y'all. I am but Mega like Man. in the original, not X, not Legends, not all that other stuff. Battle Network. But in the original one, I'm there's crash, like a man. weird relationship with Proto Man. Where oh, he'll yeah. show up and he'll kind of help you out. Sometimes he seems like a villain. Well, at the end of this album, it's a short album. It's not very long. Proto Man, he he defeats all these. He defeats all of Wily's robots that were sent to kill him. Mm-hmm. And he looks and he just sees this shadow. He goes, "You remind me. You look kind of like me. Yeah. There's something about uh, you. What is it?" And then he gets close, and it's Proto Man. Uh, and they have to have this fight. And that's where the album ends. So naturally you think, well, when when that Act 2 comes out, it'll be what happens after that. No, nope. it's a prequel. And not only is it a prequel, but it is, it is an epic. theatrical so good. shit. That is, I love it, it so much. It is not indie sounding at all. So well produced. Yeah. Like, 
It's so highly yeah. produced. Um, it doesn't sound anything like it. And um, we'll show a couple of examples in a minute when we get to that point in the story. But what I thought was, so it, it starts out as a prequel and you have Dr. Light and Dr. Wily are working together. Yeah, they're building robots. They're they're building robots and they're like, we can change. And they have this whole thing about like, the world won't have to do what my father did. He yeah. slaved away yeah. and he, du- yeah. you know, his hands were broken and all this yeah. other stuff. White, like he was just this broken man. White wants the, we the don't, robots for yeah. uh, to get people out of the mines and uh, yeah, manual mines, labor yeah. to stop. And Wiley mm-hmm. wants the but robots once, to he wants control. Fully automated once, well, no. Once they, once they make these robots, Dr. Light starts to hesitate because he just goes, well, wait a minute. What's going to happen to all these? And it's a problem. We're actually facing today. It's really relevant. He's like, what, what's going to happen? When all these people are out of work, all these people universal are, he basic really income. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, he uh, he, and they expound upon this later when he's like trying to fight back, where he just goes, "What happens, you know, if you're on life support? Essentially, flip. You know, we'll get that in a minute. But like, um, so all of a sudden, he's like, I don't know if I did what was right. So he's gonna go home and see his lover Emily. And um, this brings us to the first clip I have, which is from the song uh, Father of Death. Oh, yeah. Or the second clip, That's I guess. Or the, the first clip of Act 2, Father of Death. This will be everything that a man is supposed to be. So much emotion, like that. These guys are singing their hearts out. No, he's a fan. They're fucking incredible singers. Yeah. First of all, so yeah, Father of Death, and basically Wiley knows what he's gonna do. He's gonna go. All right, um, I'm gonna use this against him, and I'm gonna take over. So he goes to Emily, and he's in love with her. He's like, "You can leave with me." And as you just heard from the clip, he's just like, "No, he's gonna be everything a man is supposed to be." I know what you're about to do, and no matter what, he's gonna fight back. Mm-hmm. And um, he has one of the robots kill her. Yep. He frames yeah. him. They leave the knife behind or whatever. Frames Dr. Light. Frames, frames Dr. Light. And um, his goal is just to, trial. his goal is just to like take power, like to be in charge, right? Take power. Yeah, his, he his vision Dr. was, he we will be heroes, right? We will be heroes. We don't, they don't have to suffer like this, but ultimately he wants power. Dr. Light is worried because he just goes, well, one, I don't want that to be the case. I don't want people reliant on that. We'll build it's heroes. Bad. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. so, Basically, what happens is Light is arrested several days later. He doesn't get he doesn't get convicted, but uh, Wiley oh, yeah. has this fantastic song when they're actually looking for him before he's on trial. Oh man, called so the mm-hmm. <laughs> What was the name? It's just swing music. It's doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Now listen. And it's just uh, <laughs> and it's just swing music, and it's fantastic. So they catch him, bring him before the court, gets away, but he's met with this angry mob riled up by Wiley. Give us the rope. Give us we the want the doctor. rope. Give us the rope. Yeah, and they so it goes back to being orchestral again, and there's um he ends up escaping. Yeah, there's breaking out, and then it goes to this other character. This is kind of hard to tell. I had to read into it later. Dave or but Jake, after he Joe leaves, Smith. you have this character named Joe. Joe, that's right. Stanford, yeah, and he lives in the city, and as Wiley takes over, he's like shit. But everyone's like, well, things are really comfortable, but they say that there's this demon yeah. that will attack you if you speak out against the state. The red eyed demon. The red-eyed demon, yeah. 
So he escapes. It follows him. And when they, they start fighting, it almost kills him. And then uh, Light shows up, saves him. And then they have this plan to go against this um, Wily's machine, essentially. Yeah. And that's where one of the most badass songs I've ever heard happens mm-hmm. when they go attack the city with their plan. Dun, 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 dun. And here's the final clip I want to play. It's called Light Up the Night. Light it's the first Portman song I ever heard. This is where the album goes full. Actually, before this, it does. But the album goes full 80s. No, it's super 80s. I love it so much. so 80s. And part of the reason I wanted to show three clips is just to show you that from just through two albums, we have something from indie and like heavy indie Super punky. Punky to orchestral. We didn't play this, but to swing music to 80s. Those drums are kick-ass. Yeah, the drums are awesome. Yeah. Oh my god! Like so they super synthesized, the super modulated. Yes. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. It's so it's good. So and it just for, pumps you. Yeah, up. so perfect for Mega Man. Like you know. Anyway, they Mega they Man's so eighties. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Wiley has a contingency. Joe dies in the explosion. Um, and Light just just goes, oh shit. Um, he gives up. Here he runs away. Eye. He finds a note from his wife that he couldn't bear, or his girlfriend that he couldn't bear to read. Finally, does, and he's. He's on the verge of suicide. Yeah, mm-hmm. we can play a clip of this if you want to at the end. But it's this great moment where he reads his note and she encourages him, and he changes his mind and he just goes, "Joe, when you see Emily, tell her to wait for me because I've still got work to do." And that's where it ends. And I want to see what happens so bad. It's so good. I love. He's like talking about the train, how it's like bearing down on him. You know, this metaphorical train with all its steel. I don't know if. Yes, and he starts asking, should I even do this? And light up the night. Well, Act 3 has to be like a goes, marrying the two. Right? So it has to be the leave-off of two and the leave-off of one. You know, It has to maybe jump back and forth mm-hmm. is what I think. Like Act 3, I assume, is going to be actually after the Mega Man thing with Proto Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's but, what I'm thinking. Um, but it should. But I'm wondering, because there's really not a lot to go on of him creating Proto Man and everything. It's pretty yeah. quick. Like Proto Man's at the first song, Proto Man's made, and then yeah. What what if it's what if it's the story dies. of Proto Man? Like how how he that. got to be yeah. where he's at, and he's and so uh, that's, what, yeah. that's what I'm saying. So like flashbacks of that with the fight. You know, I think that would be cool. It's probably going to be Mega Man fighting Proto Man and then taking down Wily. I, I have heard two of the singles that they've released that are going to be on there, but I haven't been able to place. Yeah, there's there's before. no context yet, so no. But um, anyway, uh, man, I will say this: um, <laughs> every time I listen to that Proto Man album, especially like the really theatrical parts, I just I'm a super theater nerd anyway. But I have like the blocking of uh, play, and I imagine it, uh, and I just get yeah. I just get goosebumps like for those the singers. They're just fucking throwing. They're all their emotion mm-hmm. into it. I mean, it's just beautiful. No matter how dark the city gets, yeah. you just gotta like, pump out your chest and look up like, yeah, right. yeah, I am gonna fight back. Like, it's and then so like breaking perfect. out of here. I mean, even that, I could just yeah. see breaking it. out of here tonight. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just all like, of it. That's almost Bruce Springsteen. It's really yeah. crazy. Yeah. Like, I, uh, <laughs> oh, I, feel, I, it, I fucking, girl. feel the wind pick up. Yeah, I fucking love these albums. They're so perfect. Uh, I love that there's actually a lot going on underneath this. Because you have that moment in Light Up the Night where Dr. Light thinks about it. 
everyone's reliant on this system that Wiley has mm-hmm. set up. Yeah. He mm-hmm. just goes, it's almost life support. Turn the fl- flip the switch. You know, tr- flip the switch and turn it off. You won't be able to breathe. So either way, you're a casualty. Yeah. Because well, he Later talks on, about like being like, a soldier nope. who like is injured, yeah. but then is kept alive by life support. But then if you turn that life support off, you're still dead anyway. So yeah. is it really worth yeah. it? Yeah. So then he just goes, no. The only way to save them is to flip it off, turn the switch. So like it's, uh, <laughs> that's it's a, a great. That's a uh, I, I think it has something for everyone. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's good. if you enjoy music, like if you're not yeah. Captain Shepard and you don't really like music, <laughs> not really a fan <laughs> of music. Yeah, right. <laughs> that uh, one Captain Shepard that no one yeah. ever played. No one was that Commander Shepard. Oh, Commander, anyway, sorry, freaking, 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 love those. Albums, yes. Uh, pick them up. It's just Proto Men Act One, Proto Men Act Two. I guess I think what, the first one's three. technically just called Proto Men, but then well, it's a, yeah, the Proto Men, and then it's Act Two, the Father of Death, Father of and Death, then yeah. we don't. And the next one's gonna be Act Three. I don't think we know the subtitle. And yet. I guess what and we're if, um, what we're trying to tell you is we love albums that make stories. So yep. we love yes. them. We love all albums. <laughs> we endorse all albums that make stories that aren't terrible. So hopefully, um, y'all found something you like, something you enjoyed, and. Uh, you know, something you you know, learn something and um By the way, dear listeners, there's no news segment. Life kind of hit us like Bigfoot wielding a tree this week. But you can look forward to some bonus Josh news jingles on our social media accounts. Check us out on Facebook. We're at Facebook.com slash the Sagely Stage Stooges, on Twitter at the SS Stooges, on Instagram on the Sagely Stage Stooges, and on our Twitch channel called the Sagely Stage Stooges. And please take the time to rate us on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Help spread the word to everyone you know that you listen to this excellent show because you are an excellent person. Yes, you. We know it's true. Anyway, that's all we have time for on this episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. Until next time. We love you. We love you a lot. We love you a long time. Love you, baby. Thank you.